It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. It's one out. He's, He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Oh, I am excited today. That is correct. Why am I excited? Because the A's are hot and the Yankees are coming to town. I can remember so many years of doing this where the Yankees would come to town early. You know, they'd send the East Coast teams out West so because, you know, it's smart. Because usually they're dealing with weather issues. And you send the teams out West And you send them to Seattle, and you send them to, you know, Oakland, San Francisco, Anaheim, L.A., San Diego. You know, do a a West Coast swing early in the season. And then you don't see them again until later in the year when you go play them. I love how this is working out. We're seeing the Yankees in August. I I dig that. You know, you kind of know who both these squads are at this point. And they're two of the better teams in all of baseball. The Yankees are 83 and 43. They got a nine and a half game lead over the Rays. Oh, don't even get me started on the Rays. They're being handed a gift right now. The Athletics are 71 and 53. They're seven and a half games out. They're a half game out of the wild card, which is probably more important. And let's get it on. And the A's have been talking about the rematch of the wild card game. It's always fun when the Yankees come to town. They're the New York Yankees. They're the, they're the biggest. I, I think it's safe to say, with all due respect to, like, the Dallas Cowboys or the Los Angeles Lakers. I have to think that the New York Yankees are the biggest professional sports franchise in the United States of America. I, you think about how long they've been doing it, far longer than the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, who in the NFL would really, other than the, the Cowboys have a really big following. That's just, it is what it is. Their following is monstrous. America's team, as they like to call it. The Lakers, 
you know, they've been winning championships for a long time, ever since, uh, you know, they actually won in Minnesota, then to Los Angeles. But when you think about truly how big the Yankees are, you got to remember, the biggest amount of people in the United States of America live on the eastern seaboard. So all the way down from Massachusetts, really all the way down to Florida right along the coast or within X amount of miles of the coast is where there's, what, 300 and something, like 330 or whatever we have, million people in the United States of America. I may be completely off on that, but I know it's over 300 million. The majority of them live in the eastern seaboard. That's just a reality. You might think Midwest or, hey, look how many people. Yeah, we got a lot of people in California, but it's nothing like – I mean, because that's where our country started. That's why there's more people there. And the Yankees own it. They own it all the way from there's that breaking point in Connecticut. I don't know where it is. It's like a divider line. Like anything above this line, you're Red Sox. Anything below that line in Connecticut, you're Yankee. And then they basically own it all the way into Florida. I mean, think of all the people from the East Coast who have migrated to Florida and they're Yankee fans. They grew up, I mean, the Yankees have done, they've won 27 titles. You can't, you can't take it away from them. I have actually, you know, as we talk about what are organizations worth, it's Goldford. Goldford, Connecticut is the wedge. I don't even know if I'm saying that. Matt Pearl, if you're listening, is it Goldford, Connecticut? Supposedly is the line of North Red Sox, South Yankees. I will never forget when the Clippers went for sale. Kicking the old guy out. Steve Ballmer's coming in. Steve Ballmer was, what, number two or three at Microsoft, worth over $20 billion. And he's buying the Clippers. Now, I want you to think about this. The Clipper, what are the Clippers? They've been a laughingstock in professional sports. Forget basketball. They've been a laughingstock in professional sports for years. They are the third tenant at the Staples Center. So how that works is the teams that have priority for their scheduling. Number one is the Lakers. Number two is the L.A. Kings, the hockey team. And then there's the Clippers. So they're the third tenant at the Staples Center. And the only thing that the Clippers really have is they've got a practice facility in Pacific Palisades, which is a very – it's where Riviera Country Club is. It's a really nice area right by the beach. But that's it. That's all they own. And they went for over $2 billion. So can you imagine what the Yankees would be worth? Because the Yankees now, they started the Yes Network. They sold their part of the Yes Network. And now they've bought it part of it back. I don't know how much of it. But what they're worth, their TV rights, everything that is the Yankees, their facility in Tampa, and buying the brand of the New York Yankees, what would they go for if the Clippers went for over $2 billion? 
Would it be something like $8 billion, $10 billion? I mean, what would somebody pay to own the New York Yankees? It would be crazy. But the bottom line is they're coming to town, and I cannot wait. We're going to have a blast covering this series, no question about it. Susan Slusser is going to be here at 4.30, and she is going to verify something that, for some reason, baseball is still, and I guess all professional sports are still archaic like this. The cat's out of the bag. A.J. Puck's coming up. But everybody wants to go, wait a minute, A.J. Puck's coming up. We mean he's coming up. We haven't announced that. Oh, really? The guy who works for, the guy who covers the A's for MLB.com, which is uh, MLB.com, which is the website all 30 teams are under, the umbrella. The guy who's paid by Major League Baseball to cover the franchise that's under the umbrella. Our friend Martin Gallegos has announced that A.J. Puck's coming up, and we still want to act like we don't know anything. <laughs> I mean, how baseball operates is so archaic. So Susan will be here at 4.30, and we'll talk about that. How about Bobby Crosby, Rookie of the Year? Ladies love them some Bobby Crosby. He is going to join us at 5 o'clock. And then a two-time World Series champion. He was one of my favorites, just as a player. Not as a guy or didn't really know him that much. But I always respected the way he played. And that's Johnny Damon. Johnny Damon, a two-time World Series champion, is going to join us at 6.30. So we got a jam-packed show for you. But obviously, talking about getting you out to the ballpark. Tell your family, tell your friends. This is a series we need to pack the yard. I don't want this 20,000 stuff. I don't like talking about attendance. I gave up talking about attendance years ago. Because I know the people that show up are people that listen to the show. And I know people that don't show up are not people that listen to the show. So I'm not going to do a show for people who don't listen. But I'm telling you, the people who do listen and the people who do go to games, get your friends out there. Tell them how easy it is to be a part of what's going on here. A's access is the easiest thing ever. It's the best thing ever. For God's sakes, this membership is incredible. I got people come by me all the time laughing, going, this is $5 for a beer. Five bucks. Five bucks with, like, margaritas, five bucks. Like, seriously? Oh, it's incredible. But get out to the yard. Get your friends out. Get people fired up. Get out to the yard because nothing better than a little A's and Yankees. As, let's face it, we don't really like them and they don't really like us. It's kind of the history, right? And I know, like, everybody's talked about how, you know, because because of Catfish and because of Reggie and end up going to New York. But, you know, there's a good amount of time since the A's have been in Oakland that the A's have just kicked the crap out of the Yankees. We could go through the years. Because you think about the 70s crew, you think about the dominance you got to remember, there was a point when the Yankees won the World Series when I was a kid, and then after that, they sucked, and they sucked for a long time. They were not good. i got to look this up now that I'm talking about it, because for some of you, and I think about 
like Cody, Commander Cody. Hi, Commander Cody. We haven't said hello. Do you have your stuff uh, hooked up for today? You ready to rock? I am. I believe I saw a stat the other day, and I didn't get a ch- chance to fact check it, but I believe the Yankees haven't had a losing season since 1992. Yeah, but see, the problem is, which guys, so what you didn't get to experience, what I got to experience was the Yankees being awful in the 80s. Like, they spent they spent so much money, and even though they had Dave Winfield and they had they had Dave Winfield. Yeah, check this out. So, moving into the East Division, the Yankees won it in 81. They won the East because they won the World Series that year. Is that correct? They won in 81, right? No, they didn't. Okay, so, yeah, so here's the deal. So, I was born in 72. So, I vaguely remember them winning in 77 and 78. I was a little kid. They didn't win another World Series until 1996. That's a long time, 78 to 96 for a team that spent how much money on payroll? You have their, you have their records? Yeah, go through their records in the 80s. They stunk. So here, here we go in the eight. Go, you're in the 90s. Go down to the 80s. I want to go to the 80s. Let's go to the eight. Let's see. 80, do, do, what they were. So 1989, they're 78 and 87. 1990, they're 67 and 95. 1991, this is when I moved to the Bay Area. And the first ever A's game at the – because I saw the A's play down at the Big A. But the first time I ever went to an A's game was in 1991. I'd never seen the Yankees play before, live. So I went to an A's-Yankees game. That was here. They had, like, Kevin Moss, and they, they were terrible. They were 71 and 91. 1992, they're 76 and 86. Then they kind of, they want to turn it around, but 94, they're what? 70 and 43, they hit the strike, and then that's Buck Walter, and that's leading into Joe Torrey. But there was a time where they didn't make the playoffs from 1981 to 1996. And when you're the spending the kind of money they did year after year after year, I'm not going to say that. That's not very good. How'd Brian Taylor work out? Yeah, that wasn't very good. The lefty out of high school, the number one pick. So I think like I think someone for like for like you, Cody, you've always seen the Yankees as winners. To me, I they they were. I remember growing up going, eh. the A's. The A's used to go in and spank. Like the A's were the big deal. When I was in high school, the A's were the team. We've talked about it. We're going to honor them, the 1989 team. We're honoring them on Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. We're going to be doing that on Sunday. You know what? Let's talk about that because we recently had my man Jose Canseco on, and now it's hard to believe. But if you weren't around in the late 80s, you don't understand how big these guys were. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Remind me to get into the article that Buster Olney did on bullpens. And it's something that got my man, the Hall of Famer, Ken Korak, fired up. Traditionalists love this. They love the fact that this whole we don't want starters to go deep anymore is really starting to fail. 
By the way, you can reach me at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. Don't call, because if you call, you'll be calling to our studio, which is um, not occupied by anybody right now. But you can text me, and I will reach back to you at 510-897-1322. For example, Glenn from the DRO, that's San Leandro. Uh, that's a little bit I used to do on the radio because uh, LeBron James said, I want to win one for the land. I went, what the hell is he talking about? Oh, it's Cleveland. So I went, oh, okay. I want to win one for the DRO, San Leandro. Or I want to win one for the Ho, Vallejo. Get it? That was a bit that I used to do. I was thinking of San Ho. Zay. San Jose or Tahoe. <laughs> I want to win for Tahoe. Then I got another one here at 510-897-1322. Talking about the Houston broadcast, I guess, said, that okay, there's some fan bases. When they're watching their team play at Oakland, they just can't understand what all the noise is. Because you hear drums, you hear horns, you hear all this stuff going on because of the crowd mics. And most teams don't have this. So I know Houston fans have actually complained. I don't know if it's Fox Sports Houston or whatever it is. They've complained like, what is this noise? This is irritating. They don't like listening to all the noise, but that's who we are. That's what we do. We're very similar to Japanese baseball, which I think is incredible. You think we're loud? We don't even sniff. We, 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 we don't even sniff how loud those bands are in Japan. It's crazy how loud they are. But it's like a college football environment. From the 925, as just chimed in, uh, we will be talking puck in... 10 minutes with Susan Slusser. Yes, A.J. Puck is being reported to being called up. The A's are saying, called up? What? We haven't called anybody up. I don't know. I I don't know why we play this game every single year. I mean, we're, 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 we're in the age of instant information. We all know he's coming up, but we have to wait until there's an official announcement. But we won't do that because we don't play that game. Susan has backed it up, and yet that's the funny thing. This is the funny thing. Where do you think Susan or where do you think Martin Gallegos gets their information? They get their information from inside the organization. Where do you think I get my information? Oh, don't say anything. we got to wait till the official announcement, yet front office will leak this. Who do you think's leaking all this stuff to Susan all these years? Who? I can give you his initials. BB, that guy's been telling Susan for years. Oh, it's not official yet. Well, how do you think Susan got it? She made it up. How do you think Martin Gallegos got it? They make it up. These are thank you, Billy Bean. Uh, I got you again, huh? (laughs) That that guy, (laughs) David Forrest. Oh, we can't make that announcement yet. Well, who do you think told Susan? Thank you, Billy Bean. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, it's funny. So we will talk about Puck, because what Puck's going to be is a left-hander. 
Well, of course he's going to be a left-hander. But he's going to be a left-hander out of the bullpen. It's not going to start. And I'm I'm really I'm excited. How are you not excited? For God's sakes. Oh, and we need to contact Bob Melvin for the Bob Melvin show tomorrow. For God's sakes, they've compared him to Randy Johnson. And if anybody knows Randy Johnson, it's Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin was on the staff that won the World Series. Bob Melvin owns Randy Johnson. Bob Melvin made the joke. So I guess there was a time in Arizona where would they be watching? No, they wouldn't even have the MLB Network back then. Because the MLB Network's only 10 years old. They were watching probably Sports Center or something and the clubhouse. And it's on the day Randy Johnson's starting. And Randy and this graphic comes up about guys who had success against Randy Johnson in his career. Probably like a top five type deal. And one of the guys on that list was Bob Melvin. Randy Johnson sees this and goes into where the coaches are. And Randy Johnson snarls, I kept you in the big league. Save to Bob. We'll get Bob Melvin to tell the story. A.J. Puck is a-coming and cannot wait. I believe we have official audio of uh, what the guys think of A.J. Puck. Okay. I like guys like that that got a little hair on their ass. You don't put it. It's a nice try. Okay. What could he be? Well, if you look at what David Price did, David Price in 2008, he pitched for the Rays. They were just the Rays at the time. They brought him up. He pitched in five games, started only one. And they threw him in the bullpen during the postseason. So he got into three games in the American League Championship Series against the Boston Red Sox. He was 1-0 with a zero ERA. So he came in as a weapon out of the bullpen. And, of course, the Rays, they would beat the White Sox. Then they'd beat in the ALDS. He didn't pitch, but he pitched against the Red Sox in the ALCS, and then he pitched in the World Series. He pitched in two games in the World Series against Philadelphia. That's what I'm seeing for A.J. Puck. Because right now, you start conditioning him as the guy that, okay, high leverage innings can really be 5, 6, 7. Because God knows we're so terrified of starters pitching innings, and they're really terrified. I mean, you get into the postseason, there is such a quick hook, it's unbelievable. You'll see great starters. They get the panic button going. You got the panic button? Managers now in the postseason, front offices? Oh, my God, they're so puckered. Where's my panic button? Let's go to the L.A. Dodgers in the World Series with every single move. You ready? Here's the L.A. Dodgers in their dugout. 
we're 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 just gonna play the matchups, and we're not gonna start our best players. We're not gonna start our best players because that's not what the matchups say. How'd that work out for LA? Did they win the World Series not playing their best players? Really? You're not gonna play Max Muncy? Oh, that that Bellinger kid who can do it all. You're not going to play him? Oh, because oh, he might struggle against lefties. That's just not what the matchups say. Yeah, uh, the Buffalo Bills of uh, Major League Baseball, the L.A. Dodgers. We're not going to play our best players. We're going to do the matchups. Okay, good luck. Have fun with that. You're 0 for 2, but you really got those great National League Championship rings. I'm sure those are really nice, and you're going to wear those around everywhere. Play your best players. But that's A.J. Puck. Man, I could see him coming in like the fifth or the and, and give you innings, right? Give you two innings. And it's not like one of these, I'm just bringing him in to get a lefty. No, I'm bringing him in to go after everybody. I do find it a little bit odd you wait till the Yankees series to bring him up. Why, why don't you bring him up for the Astros series? Because the Yankees are, I mean, let's face it, they're a right-handed hitting lineup. And the last time I checked, I'm looking at the Bible here, my uh, the box scores I got here. I'm keeping score. Uh, Brantley's pretty nasty. Alvarez is pretty nasty. You got some nasty lefties in that lineup. For the Astros, why are you waiting to bring him in for all? It's just basically a right-handed lineup. Whatever, he's coming up. But his role is going to be, this is not going to be a lefty specialist. He's coming in. It's like, hey, you be the guy that gets us to the guy that then gets us to the guy. And you're starting to see the A's have that. And that's something we can also talk with, with Susan. You know, is Stella getting her groove back? And I mean Trinan and Trevino. They get there. They get back to being them. And you throw that with Liam Hendricks, and now you got A.J. Puck. That's four filthy, hard-throwing, nasty guys. And you know what plays in the postseason? Velocity plays in the postseason. And you know why And you know why you, you get a couple hot guys and you can ride them? Because we don't play the postseason like we do the regular season. We don't play every day. They take days off. So that allows you to do a lot of different things that you can't do during the regular season. So we have a lot to get into. She's the queen of A's baseball, and she will join us next right here on A's Cast Live, Susan Slusser. Hey, this is Fred of the B-52s, and whenever my flying saucer is over Oakland, I listen to A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, we got a great idea. Glenn from the Dro. The A's should do a hand drum giveaway next year when the Astros come in. They'll love it. Get everybody in the stadium with a drum just to irritate Astros fans. You know what? Tag, uh, on Twitter, contact Dave Cavill. And the response will be, I'm on it, <laughs> or my people are on it. That's a good. Hey, we're in marketing. Why don't we bring that up in a meeting? 
it'd be I don't know how you give like like how what the drum would look like, but give everybody a drum. I believe next Monday we have an all staff that you're going to be speaking at. I will be speaking about Ace Cast at the all staff. Maybe I'll bring in the drum. Nobody is better covering the A's than Susan Slusser from the San Francisco Chronicle, and she joins us here on A's Cast Live. How have you been? Great. How have you been, Tony? Uh, life is good. The A's are winning. We're having a lot of fun. And I was actually joking about how, like, you know, you verified A.J. Puck's coming up. Martin Gallegos has brought it up, but yet the organization still says uh, no move has been made yet. Well, they did make one move. They, they sent uh, Wei Kung Wong back to Las Vegas. So uh, right now there are 24 men on the roster. I don't know what to make of that. Who's to say? <laughs> well, when he supposedly comes up, I'm very excited. You know, whenever, you know, someone like Bob Melvin, who's been in this game a long time, he won a championship with Randy Johnson. Once he starts bringing up that comparison, of course, he brought Randy to meet A.J. Puck. I think you got to get pretty pretty excited when, when when you hear those comparisons and knowing that kid's coming up. Yeah, I mean, Tony, you, you've seen him. Um, the the stuff is phenomenal. It's not just that he throws hard. You know, it, it's electric, absolutely electric stuff. You know, he's got the slider, he's got the big curveball. He's six foot seven. He's left handed. I mean, if you're going to bring a guy up late in the season who teams have not seen before. Using in the bullpen, wow, he's a, he's going to be a fun one to watch. I think uh, I think uh, opponents are absolutely going to be floored. And I know he comes from a football background. His uncle played at your alma mater, Stanford. He had other uncles who played in the Big Ten. He played football and obviously made the right choice and decided to play baseball, and that's going to earn him a lot of money in his career. Tell us about his football background and the mentality that he's bringing to Oakland. Well, I mean, you know, guys from Florida, any any of those states where football is big, you know, that's that's that kind of the mentality. Everybody's played the sport, but I mean, look at his size, man. He could have been probably a pretty phenomenal tight end, I'm guessing. Uh, so uh, you bring that to baseball, uh, you know, and he went to a football school too, of course. So I, I think uh, the A's have a guy who's a bulldog and a competitor and not going to back down. And really, getting back to the basics. His stuff is just ridiculously good. So this is this is great. Yeah, he does have the innings limitations. That's why we're seeing him in relief rather than starting. I think that's smart. Uh, it is a different role. You know, he has been a starter his whole entire life. That's something that, uh, especially for a young guy, to get used to that. It's just for this year. I assume I assume the guys are going to put him back uh, as a starter next year. Remember, Chris Sale came up as a reliever with the White Sox, and they kept him in relief the entire next season too i don't think that's on the a's mind i think this is strictly because of the innings limitations and it's a smart way to get around it rather than have them be able to make like you know five starts maybe or something spread it out and this is this year this is the area where they need help it's the bullpen the bullpen has been you look at the numbers overall county the bullpen's numbers are not that bad but when the games they have been bad they've been awful and uh that's they need shoring up and aj tuck i think is a smart and fascinating way to do it. Would you compare the role to what David Price did for the Rays in 2008? Very similar. I think we've mentioned Price. We've mentioned Sale. Um, 
you know, he, he obviously stayed in relief, but you look at what K-Rod did when he came up for the Angels. That wasn't in September, and he absolutely helped them charge right into the playoffs and then was massive for them in the postseason. But you bring in a good young guy who gets a little confidence and has great stuff, uh, and he can make a world of difference because not just is he good, but these opponents have not seen him before. And I think with him, and all of a sudden, I just mentioned, like, is Stella getting her groove back? You're starting to see Trinan and Trevino. Are you seeing their confidence get back? Yeah, interesting, in kind of different ways. Uh, Trevino pitches three scoreless, allows one hit, gets a bunch of strikeouts, looks fantastic. Trinan uh, works three games in a row. <laughs> And he just looks better and better each time. So uh, three names for both, spread out for one, and all in one one deal for the other one. And, yeah, they, they look better. You know, the A's want to see that consistency. I don't think we're going to see either one of them in the super high leverage situations unless it's a must, like uh, they have been, you know, certainly for Trevino the other night in extra innings. But what, I mean, that was sensational, especially for Trevino to come through in a huge situation like that against the Astros in extra innings with three scoreless. Who would have thought it, you know, maybe a month ago when he was at the depth of his struggles? So, yeah, I think nothing but positives there. Yeah, and give Sori a lot of credit, too. He actually threw two innings uh, before Trevino came in for the three. So that was actually good because you're going to need your bullpen if you're going to make a run in the postseason. Uh, when you start thinking about the division, you take three or four, you gain some ground. Do you still see the division in sight for the A's, or should they, or is it really just looking at wild card? I eat it. You never know what will happen in baseball. Uh, you know, the Astros are the elite of the league. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. But an injury, a weird stumble, you know, teams can have underperformance. Look at the 2014 A's. They charged out way ahead of everybody. They had seven all-stars when you count in Samarja. Uh, their run differential was historic. And then, you know, they make a trade. They have some injuries, some guys that are banged up. And down the stretch, they were horrible. And they wind up in the world wild card game instead of winning the division. I don't think anybody would have thought that, you know, even in August that year. So it's uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's unlikely, but it's kind of fun to think about. I think the wild card is is more realistic. But Tampa doesn't seem to be going away. Tampa is playing very well, and that's a good team. So fun, no matter how you look at it. Chris Davis has turned into an absolute mystery. I mean, 43 games, he's hitting 190. He only has one home run during those 43 games. Some people believe he's still hurt. What do you know about Chris Davis and his struggles? I don't think he's still hurt. I think, uh, you know, some people have suggested when you are injured, uh, which he he certainly was before the the all-star break with the side injury and then the hand injury, you can get into, you know, a few bad habits. Um, or maybe a few me- mechanical things. And as you kind of spiral in a-, a slump, as it goes longer and longer, you start to put more and more pressure on yourself. And then you start getting advice from everywhere. You know, everybody's a coach. Everybody wants to help you. And sometimes that can be overwhelming. So I think there are a lot of things going on. Confidence is probably the main one because that goes, you know, when, you- when you're in a – you've hit one home run since June 18th. That is – devastating for a power hitter uh and you start to question yourself his timing is just off you know maybe even a fraction you know he's hit balls a lot of balls to the warning track in the last couple of weeks his at-bats have been better he is getting on base you know he's taking his walks he's getting a few singles in big situations it's it's really just that power has left him i don't think he's hurt if he is 
nobody with a team is letting on that that's the case, and he certainly isn't. Um, I think it's a timing thing, and I think it's a confidence thing. Bob Melvin says a couple good games in a row, and he will be back to the Chris Davis everybody knows, and, and that's probably true. That's, that's how these things seem to go. And you know, County, he hits homers and bunches. If he gets back on track, he's got a lot to make up for, so it could be a lot of home runs and bunches. Yeah, I know. We've been saying that now, what seems for a long time. It's been I mean, a while. Yeah, it's been I mean, a couple of months. He's got to get back up to that 247 average. So, you know, <laughs> he better start soon. Well, the one thing we do know, and this is what, like, StatCast can help us with, and Mark Simon from Sports Info Solutions was on the program, and he told us, here, plain and simple, last year his average launch angle was 18 degrees. When Mark uh, last was on the program, his average launch angle was 11. So that's a dramatic difference for a hitter. So, that's one thing you can see with our new wave of radar and stat casts and everything, that his launch angle is far different this year than it was last year. Yeah, and that's timing. You know, that's you're not barreling it up the way you were. Uh, and that's just an, you know, that's just the swings, as you know, Tony, are, uh, it's like pitching mechanics, right? Just the tiniest thing can be off, just a fraction of an inch somewhere. You got to figure it out. Uh, you got to find it. You've either got to start earlier or get your hands further back or up or whatever is comfortable getting you in the position to get your bat where you want it to be at exactly the right time, you know, to really connect. And that's what he's searching for. And probably, you know, I don't even want to say launch angle anywhere near him because he's probably heard it already, but he's also probably got so many people weighing in. He would just scream. You know, one thing that, I'm not. I'm, I'm not thrilled with, and of course, because for the A's it's a little bit different. But when we start looking at strength of schedule for the teams that are vying for these two wild card spots, obviously the A's strength of schedule is the toughest out of all these other teams, and it's unbelievable. The Detroit Tigers are so bad. The Baltimore Orioles are so bad. Kansas City's bad, and these these guys. Whether you're talking about the Twins, the Indians. The Rays, I mean, the Rays are on a stretch where they're playing 21 straight games of teams under 500. It's unbelievable how bad some of these teams are, and the teams the A's are are, are battling for the wild card. Uh, these teams are playing a bunch of just teams that have quit. I, I just, that's not it. What do you think? That's To me, that's not a good look for the game. Yeah, no, I mean, it used to, the schedule used to make a lot more sense, you know, back when it was uh, the, the team, the division's, there was, there was no interleague play. The divisions were even, a little more even. Remember, everybody used to kind of follow any, everybody in and out. You'd get all the teams in the AL West would sort of take turns, and they'd go to Boston, New York, and Baltimore just kind of in a row and, and catch everybody sort of at the same time. That was a little more fair. Uh, you know, everybody plays a, the schedule. Um, sometimes you're going to catch a team at a bad time, and your opponent's going to catch them at an easy time. You know, they're your nearest rival in division, you're going to have maybe a slightly different interleague schedule based on your regional rival. Uh, it's, it is it is not a balanced schedule, and it is not fair, and I don't think anybody could argue otherwise. There's no way to create an absolutely perfectly even schedule. There isn't, but um, interleague play is, has really thrown it out of whack. Marcus Simeon with the home run, his 90th run of the season. I, you look at everything, defense, offense, scoring runs. I mean, I, I don't remember us really thinking he was going to be the leadoff hitter. I mean, just talk about the season he has had as a total. It's truly one of the best seasons that we've seen in A's history. 
Oh, it's it's wonderful. It's so wonderful to see. We, Tony, you and I have talked so many times over the years about, you know, what he's gone through uh, defensively, where he's come from. You know, his first year PA is making us 35 errors, a Oakland record, uh, working with Ron Washington, really rebuilding his entire game. And he's local, you know, El Cerrito and Cal, and he wants to be here. As I wrote in the paper the other day, he's changed agents. Um, he is now with Joel Wolf of the Wasserman group. Uh, and that's, he, he wants to stay here. He would like an extension, but he has now put himself in such an elite level as an all around shortstop. I don't know if that's going to be possible. The A's might be in a situation much as they were with Eric Chavez and Miguel Tejada, where they, they have to choose between their shortstop and their third baseman, because you know, Matt Chapman is going to be making far more than a hundred million dollars on a long-term deal. Marcus Simeon is not far from that. Um, you would be up in that range. That's an awful lot for two players. He's local. I would love to see it. You know, he's steady. He plays every day. That's going to be huge for any team that's looking for a shortstop. This is a guy, the only time he's ever missed time was when he actually had a fractured hand, at wrist hand. Uh, and uh, that's in this day and age, you know, team, when teams know they lose so much money on the injured list, Having a guy that plays almost every inning of every single game is huge, especially at that position. So he's going to command a lot. I don't know if it's going to be with Oakland, but he's done this. He has turned himself into this elite of a shortstop where he's going to be looking at well over $80 million, maybe over $100 million, which is fantastic. It's great for him. We all hope it's in Oakland. Um, an extension would be great. And if I'm his agent, Joel Wolf, I'm not sure I give too much of a hometown discount because Marcus has earned this. There's no doubt about it. And on that note, and we'll end on this, what have we heard about any type of talks, whether it's Marcus, whether it's Chapman, it's Olsen, have you heard anything about the talks about extensions going forward? Well, there have been some talks with him, you know, over the years. But, again, this year there have been some sort of vague talks. Um, As I wrote the other day in the story about Simeon, um, I, I hear from insiders that the A's are, are willing to talk about more years for Matt Chapman than they, even more than Eric Chavez. They have never done more than the, the six years that they did with Eric Chavez and that, that extension, six years and 66 million. That's still their biggest uh, contract to date. And that was 2004. So uh, too long ago <laughs> to have been like the rec- their records better. They, they need to, uh, they need to do something here with one of these guys, but uh, as you know, Matt Chapman's agent is Scott Boris. Um, I think Boris is going to be looking for 10 years for Chapman. I think the A's probably are going to be more comfortable with something like eight years. But when you're talking about eight years at probably a minimum of 15 million per, maybe more like 20 years, 20 per, that's going to be start to get up there. Uh, and so the A's know they're going to have to offer more than six. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. But again, if you're going to choose between the two and one's going to be you know, upwards of $100 million and the other one's local and plays shortstop and plays every day. I don't know if on the A's I'm, I might seriously consider at least doing something with Simeon first and then seeing things where things go with Chapman. Yeah, at some point you got to pay guys the going rate. You do. You do. But can you see the Oakland A's playing, paying Simeon and Chapman and then maybe Olsen? I mean, that's you're talking $250, $300 million. Yeah, but I, I mean, you want to fill a new ballpark. Who wouldn't love it? Yeah. But yeah. You want to fill a new ballpark? You're not. You're not going to do it with a bunch of guys making under ten million. Okay, Tony. The day the A's spend over 
two hundred million on essentially two or three players. I will, I will officially. I don't know. I, that that will be. I will be very, very surprised. <laughs> I would like to. I would like to see that day. It might not be in my lifetime. She is the author of a hundred things A's fans should know and do before they die, and also if these walls could talk. Her book with Ken Korak. I'm looking at it right now. You can get it on Amazon. You can get either one, Barnes and Noble. Both these books would make great, as I always like to say, Christmas is going to be here before you know it. So if you have an A's fan, either one of Susan's books, if whether you're going to go with the one that she did with Ken or the one that she did uh, by herself, I think your books would make either great birthday or Christmas presents. I'm going to start kicking you in on any of these proceeds, Tony, because you have been the best advocate for these books. So Ken and I always thank you for that. No, no, no. Anything I do, you know how much I love you guys, and you guys are the best. So thank you so much, and we'll see you tomorrow. Back at you. Thanks, Tony. Susan Slesser from the San Francisco Chronicle. That's right. These books are fabulous. Go out and get them for A's fans. Think about that. For paperback, it's $13.46 on Amazon. If these walls could talk, Oakland A's, stories from the Oakland A's dugout, locker room, and press box. And you would make such a A's fan happy with this. You can get that right now for $13.46. Then our other one, 100 Things A's Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. You can get that right now for $8.99. What a great present. Are you kidding me? Or just get it for yourself. Go out and support our people. (laughs) Support, support, support. We got a lot to get into what she just said there. And I actually have an idea for Major League Baseball. I don't know if anybody would go for it, but I want to throw it past you next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Oh, I'm so excited. One of my favorite stores is opening up in the Bay Area. And they open up for Halloween, and that's it. Spirit. The Halloween store, it's my favorite. I'm a huge Halloween guy. As Chip Kelly once said, I'm a football guy. I'm a Halloween guy. I go big for Halloween. This year, I'll take my wife. Don't take pictures of our house and put it on Twitter. This year, I'll tell I mean, I got over 20 tombstones. I got these two. They're about 6'2", skeletons. That look like they're crawling up my house. My entire house, cobwebs. I've got lights. I got misters. I got, a, I got like a, like over a hundred of these little spiders. I have a massive spider. I I I, I got two uh, two skeletons. They're like pirates that hang from my front tree. I got a coffin. I got these gates that go around. I got these skulls that light up when you come up to my door and make sound. I mean, I, I go big for Halloween. And every year, ever since I bought my new house three years ago, I go bigger and bigger because my wife won't let me go big on Christmas. She wants she wants very traditional. She wants it classy, so I just have snowflakes to hang from the tree. I do the Christmas lights, the icicle lights, and I've got the reindeer, and i got a sled, and that's about it. Oh, i got candy canes that go up my driveway, lighted camp, but it's not, it's not big. Like, I want... I want the abominable snowman on top of my house. She won't let me do that. So I got to go big for Halloween. 
And I got some creepy stuff. I got this head. I got this head, and it's just and it's upside down, and you just see like the 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 uh, spinal cord coming out of the head, and it shakes and makes noise. <laughs> Wait, Commander, till you see what I got rolling in my garage. Basically, my garage is just a huge storage for Halloween. Can we uh, can we have a huge party? Because I turn thirty one the next day. I have a I have a blowout. Well, good. you and your lady come over. Oh, I. It could be a, a joint celebration. Wait till you see this. I got the Riddler out. I got the Riddler suit. I go as the Riddler. Now, like, now the Riddler from like the comics or the Riddler Jim Carrey Riddler. I'm the Jim. I have a suit. I have a full on pants jacket. It's a suit. Okay, I that I see have you hanging this. that that I have hanging with all my actual nice suits. I got the hat. I got the mask. I got the cane. I got the tie. I got it's a it's a suit. Maybe I'll let my hair grow off a little bit, and I'll just come as a Joker. Heath Ledger's Joker. You, uh, they sell the Joker at uh, Spirit. They sell the Joker suit. Let's be honest. I'm cheap. I'll, I can put the pay, I can put the makeup on myself. Okay, jeez. And I'll buy a suit. You know what? I'll buy it for you. All right, <laughs> I'll buy it for you. Thank God. You millennials are gonna have to pay for something in your life. I don't know what it is, but you're gonna have to pay for something. By the way, your A's, your A's, since June 17th. Are thirty five and seventeen, pretty good. Since May sixteenth, fifty two and twenty eight. And I had this for you yesterday. And if you didn't hear it, the past two years post All Star break. So you add up last year after the All Star break and this year after the All Star break. The A's are sixty three and thirty five. This team is just such a second half team. It is unbelievable. Bobby Crosby is going to join us because we have fantasy camp coming up. But the one thing that I wonder if I could get this done. So, because you know, friend of the program, the commissioner, Rob Manfred, loves, loves to call and ask us, hey, guys, what would you do? Oh, by the way, Manfred was on at the Little League World Series. The commissioner's talking about the electric strike zone. The dinosaurs, you better get ready. It's coming because the commish wants it. Can't wait. How about we don't have a salary cap, but what we do is we have kind of like a soft cap. If you want to go over, that's fine, but you're going to pay this huge fine. And if you do it X amount of years, you're going to be paying even more, and then you're going to lose draft picks. So they highly discourage you to keep going over these different thresholds, these taxes. But you can if you want. You can be a riverboat gambler, go over every single year, pay the fines, pay the picks. You don't care. I'm spending money. You can do that. I think more important, which may stop all of this nonsense of not trying to win, is set a floor. What if we set a floor? You can't, you have to, every team. I can just hear Tampa's ownership going, no, no. What if every team had to spend 90, at least $90 million? They had to spend it. You have to spend $90 million. I don't know what the number is. But kick it around. Is it $90 million? And then all of a sudden someone like Baltimore or Detroit would be like, but we're in a rebuild. Well, that's great. You're going to have to pay somebody $20 million. You're gonna have to pay another. You're gonna have to pay somebody. You want to rebuild? That's great. But you're gonna have to pay while you're rebuilding, and you might be paying guys you don't want to pay. But you got to pay. You got to give your fans something to watch. We need to kick that around with somebody who uh, 
who is in the know. And I don't know who we would do that with. Maybe we can ask Dave, we'll ask David Force about it on Friday. I would like to see a floor in baseball. None of this you're spending $40 million or $50 million. Everybody has to spend. The players' union, I guarantee you, would go for it. The players' union would absolutely love it. And now I think that would keep us from these full-on just, oh, my God, we're going in the ultimate tank. You want to go in the tank, that's fine. You're going to be paying a lot of money for it. Because some of these teams, basically what they're saying, they're, they're, they're telling you, we don't want to win. Now, the players on the field and the manager and the coaches, they want to win. But the front offices of, like, Baltimore, Detroit, Kansas City, they're not trying to win. But if you set a floor saying, all right, everybody's got to spend $90 million or $80 million, whatever that number would be, boy, that would change things. I can't wait to talk to our guy. He was a 2004 American League Rookie of the Year, and he, you now have a chance to go play baseball with him. Bobby Crosby is with us once again here on A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. Bobby, the last time I talked to you was Root Beer Float Day. I think that was either last year or two years ago. How have you been? I'm good. How about you? Uh, everything's great. The A's are winning, and this, I mean, this time of the year when you're in it, and every single game you're just grinding it. This is what you play for is to trying to get in the postseason. Yeah, it's exciting. You know, I mean, they're, they're playing well. And, uh, you know, I'm here in Midland, Texas with their double-A team. But, uh, you know, we always check up on the players there and, you know, some of the season guys are having. And uh, to see them playing well, they're, they're always in it. This is kind of when the A's, you know, typically shine, you know, this time of year. So, you know, they always kind of start out slow, but – you know, we always will find a way to kind of come back. And, you know, once the summer hits, we get going. Yeah, I just I just had the stat the past two years, post-All-Star break, the Athletics are 63-35. and 35. So there is something. That's ab- decent. Yeah, there is something about the second half. How is everything going in Midland? It's good. You know, we got, we got some guys here who can play. Um, we're still in the playoff on ourselves. But, um, you know, a lot of moving around with different players. But, uh, you know, I'm loving coaching kind of back in the game. Um, but, you know, we always look up at the big club and, and see what they're doing and to see them succeeding. And, you know, they got a lot of, you know, the front office guys are great. The staff is great. Um, um, and hearing, you know, and seeing guys like, uh, you know, Simeon, what he's doing this year. And, see, I mean, not only his defense, but, you know, uh, just to seeing guys succeed in doing what they can do. And, um, you know, it's good to see. Now, you've seen A.J. Puck, and A.J. Puck is going to be yeah. coming up here. Give me a scouting report on what we're going to see from the big left-hander. He's nasty. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, he obviously throws 98, 97, 98, um, 99, and, and his sliders are like 91. Um, he's, and he doesn't lack confidence, uh, to say the least. Um, you know, he's a guy who will kind of go after anybody. Um, you know, person, he's off the charts. And, you know, as a pitcher, you know, if you're seeing a guy throwing, you know, 97, 98 from the left side with that kind of slider, um, you know, he's pretty impressive. So, yeah, you guys are seeing something pretty cool. Yeah, and I, we've been talking about it here that uh, I don't see him coming to get lefties. I see bringing him in for an inning, two innings, maybe even three innings, and he's just coming after everybody. Yeah, yeah, he's not afraid of anybody, and that's that's the kind of, you know the kind of guy you like. Like I said, he doesn't lack confidence. He's a guy who's he doesn't care who he's facing. Um, I know it's different at the Double A level, but just knowing him as a person, um, he's the type of guy who's going to go out there and he's going to he's going to compete. He's going to battle. If you get a hit off him, he's going to be ticked off. 
Um, he's, yeah, I, I don't see him being scared. He's not going to be a guy. He's gonna, not going to be a lefty specialist who's going to come in and, you know, kind of carve a guy up. He's going to come in overpower guys. Um, but, yeah, he doesn't like confidence. He's going to be a guy who's going to go up there, and, and, I, and I think right out the gate he's going to have success. What is the experience coaching like for you, Ben, now that you're back in uniform and, and you can give the wisdom that you got in all your years playing pro ball? I love it. I love it. You know, I mean, I, you know, I pick the guys' brains. I know, I know they pick mine, too. Um, you know, I love being around the players, being around the game. Um, you know, I, I feel there's, you know, um, a lot of knowledge I can give them, but they can give me knowledge. Um, so we kind of just, you know, I go back and forth to players. I try to, to get on a player's level and kind of feel where they're at, um, you know, and see what they're thinking, what they're feeling. Um, you know, the players now are the same way they were before, um, you know, when I played, but um, I'm loving it. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. And to deal with a guy, like, like I said, like with AJ Puck and different guys where you get to know him on a personal level, but at the same time, um, you know, on a performance level to see what he does and see what some of these guys are capable of. Sometimes they kind of need that extra push. And at the double-A level, um, you know, if they get a little push or get that little extra bit of confidence, it's fun to kind of see him grow and, and really kind of su- succeed a little bit more. Yeah, and, and, and you know, when you, when you think about certain players and the grind, you know, it's, it's one thing when you're a young hotshot player, but then you're just going to start getting older players – and, you know, guys who really start to question, you know, is this something that I want to do? Do I need to do I need to move on to a different career because I I might not be making it to the big leagues? What's it like when you coach one of those guys? Uh, that, that's a tougher scenario. I mean, every, everybody has their own path. Um, you know, some guys reach a point where they realize that, you know, maybe this isn't going to work for them. I mean, it, it's tough to see. Um, but you know, I, I think, um, I think anything you do, and especially in baseball, you know, confidence is a key. Um, so I think my job, you know, dealing with these players is giving them confidence, you know, whatever they're succeeding at. And they got, they got to this level. Once you get to double A level, they got this level for a reason. Um, so I think what we can do is, is boost their confidence. I mean, everybody at this level is very talented. So, um, you know, a guy like AJ Puck, you can, you know, he's an easy one, you know, you can, um, you know, not that I'm a pitching coach by any means, but you can just, you know, give them encouragement here and there. But, you know, the guys I deal with, the position players for the most part, um, you know, you uh, you give them what they need and what's going to, you know, give them the best tools for them to su- succeed. Um, but, you know, it's it's a very small margin between the guys in double-A and the guys in the, in the big leagues. And it's just, it's a matter, it's a matter of success. So, um, um, you know, and, and that confidence, uh, you know, it's, that's what breeds that success. You know, one of the reasons why I asked you that is Corbin Joseph was on our program on fr- on Friday, and we talked yeah. to him. I mean, when you're married and you have kids and you wonder if you're ever yeah. going to get back to the big leagues and do I go need to go get a different job, get a different career, and that's why, you know, he steadied the course, and how great is it to see somebody like that get a chance not only to get back to the big league level but get a chance to help a team try and get in the postseason. It's awesome. You know, I only dealt with Corbin a little bit in, in spring training. Um, obviously, you know, I, I didn't get to him too much, but, he, you know, a great dude. But to see, you know, a guy that, you know, wants to grind it and wants to get back out there, you know, it's sometimes it's those little things. It's uh, It could be one little thing that, that he finds in his swing, um, one little bit of confidence where he's like, okay, that's it, and that, that can take you back up there. But to see him kind of do that and get back, back up to where he should be um you know it's awesome and great for him great for his family 
Well, also going to be great is going to be fantasy camp. And what's cool now is that the A's have taken over fantasy camp. It's going to be January 9th through the 14th. You're going to have guys like Vita Blue. You're going to have Dallas Braden. Campy's going to be there. Carney Lansford, the World Series champion. Bobby, you're going to be there. You're staying at a four-star resort in Scottsdale. And I've been told over the years, I mean, Shooty Babbitt goes down. It's just like this is such a blast that they get to rub elbows with you guys and you get to have cocktails and dinner at night. And it's just what a great experience this is for anybody who is a big-time A's fan. Yeah, I've gone to the last two years, um, and it's a, it's an experience. Um, you know, uh, the guys who come always have fun. You end up meeting guys who are, you know, from the experience I've had, they become lifelong friends. Um, you get to hang out with the players. We give each other a hard time, just like any other big league or minor league clubhouse. Um, the best part, being around the guys. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm repeating myself, but um, – you know, when, when you're out of the game, being being in the clubhouse, being around the guys is something that guys miss. Um, so to be in the clubhouse with, you know, former A's players and even, your, you know, the peers and the guys that, that, that come in and they're part of fans camp, just giving each other a hard time. Um, it's it's an awesome week. Um, you know, I'll ask, I'll, you know, I'll come back anytime they ask me. Um, it's something that is uh, it's it's really special and you talk to anybody who's been they all say the same thing that it's it's a it's a pretty special week no doubt about it you can book fantasy camp athletics.com slash fantasy camp and you think about the timing of it january 9th through the 14th boy this would make one heck of a christmas gift wouldn't it wouldn't that be amazing for an A's fan to get that gift on christmas day Absolutely, and they get to spend my 40th birthday with me. So I mean, how could you pass out, right? What so you're turning? Is January, you're... Well, well, my birthday is January 12th, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna spend it in fantasy camp and have you know I'm sure I'll I'll get my uh, my chops busted by a bunch of people, but I um, I personally wouldn't pass it up to go to this. So I think you know someone's gonna give that a gift to somebody. Um, it, it'd be a phenomenal gift to give to somebody. It's it's a it's a week that I I mean everybody that goes. At the end of the week, they always say, um, I got to come back. A lot of people get it for anniversary gifts or they get it for birthday gifts or Christmas gifts, and they find a way to end up coming the next year. So it's uh, it's kind of an addiction, um, but it's something that is it's, – it's a blast. Wow, you just made a lot of us feel old. You're turning 40? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, huh? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it has to happen at some point. Yeah, Why not at fantasy yeah. camp? Yeah, yeah, get to spend it with a bunch of guys in Arizona. I love it. Let's end on this. And we talked to Fran yeah. Reardon, the uh, AAA manager, about this. You know, yeah, what, what, what is it like for you when you've been coaching a guy and then he gets that call that he's going up to AAA? What is that moment like for you and the coaching staff? Oh, it gives you goosebumps. I mean, it, um, it's the best feeling, you know, um, you see what the guys put in every day. Um, you see how much they care. I mean, this is their life. Um, so to, to see them bust their butt every day, to see them mentally grind, um, to give that present to somebody, to give them that opportunity to, to go up to the next level. It's the best. I mean, there's, there's really nothing like it. Um, you know, you know, I guess you'd have to see it firsthand to see how much these guys care and how much the staff cares on a whole about these guys' success. But 
um, to be able to give this guy a gift. Um, I mean, Fran's on a different level. To be able to tell a guy he's going to the big leagues is, I mean, off the charts. But for us to have a guy, hey, you're moving one step in the right direction, you're going to AAA, um, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a, it's a great feeling. It's an accomplishment for him, but on the staff, uh, we love it. It's an accomplishment for us as well. Bobby, great stuff. Hopefully we're bringing this show to Fantasy Camp. We're thinking about doing that. So hopefully we'll be there for your birthday and uh, we'll have a few cocktails. (laughs) That sounds great. Good luck the rest of the season. All right, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Bobby Crosby, really solid guy. Yeah, you're, you're at the A's training facility, which is second to none there in Mesa, Arizona. Really, I've been there. It's awesome. You, you get to be a bit – you're wearing the uniform. You're, you're an A. And you're at a great resort in Scottsdale, Arizona. Are you kidding me? You're drinking beers with Vita Blue and Dallas Braden and Bobby Crosby and Carney Lansford at night? This is a no – if we're not there, I'm going to be angry. Well, let's see. Maybe the Raiders will be in the playoffs. But the Raiders are not in the playoffs. We got to go. We have to go. Why would we not go? It's a no-brainer. Commander, make this happen. Can you make this happen? Do you have that kind of juice being in these marketing meetings that you're in? I'll talk to my project manager, see what we can, see what we can handle. Okay, can I give you – see, around the A's, we like to have projects. So can you be the project manager of Fantasy Camp? I think I can handle that. Or you can bring it up at the All-Staff next week that you're no, going no, to be No, no, we're pitching at. Ace Cast, all right? Ace Cast, they, is, that, we're, we're, we're an Ace they, Cast. This has something to do with Ace Cast. Taking Ace Cast on the road this across actually, state lines. Okay, this is, this is what, what are we in, August? September, October, November, December. This gives me four months to kind of get my arm back in shape. Because it's going to take some time. But I wouldn't mind, because they're, they're playing with wood bats. I wouldn't mind just sawing guys off. Okay. Take it easy, Jim Morris. Yeah, it's been <laughs> – last time I pitched competitively was 1995. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting on the hill. Oh, I definitely want to take some hacks. And I'm swinging out of my shoes. You want launch angles? I'll give you a launch angle. Maybe flying out to, to, to the uh, to the shortstop. 4-8, got to make a pit stop at the breakfast club in Scottsdale for fantasy camp. All right, 408, I'm down. We need to get there. Cody, you're now new project manager of 2020 A's Fantasy Camp. But once again, January 9th through the 14th, we'll talk. Hopefully, we're going to talk to Vita Blue on uh, on Friday because Vita's going. Or we can talk to him Saturday or Sunday. By the way, we're we're doing the show Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah, we're going to – so normally we don't do it on the weekends, but it's going to be the Giant Series, and we're honoring the, the 1989 team. So we're going to be working uh, Saturday and Sunday. By the way, here's another programming note. Tomorrow I am going to be in the treehouse the entire game. Now, if you're listening to me, you you have A's cast. But if you know somebody that doesn't know how to do it, we will put it on their phone. It's free, as you know. We will put it on their phone tomorrow. Come see, Tell them to come see me in the treehouse. I will be there all game long putting Ace Cast on people's phones. So if, if you know somebody, I can't do it, I'm afraid, just have them come to the treehouse and we will put it on their phones. But, yes, Fantasy Camp. Go to athletics.com slash fantasy camp. 
boy, there's some people who hate this. They hate it. But no matter how much they hate it, things are a-changing. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. Oh, boy. You know this sport. We love it. But it has problems with change. Sport does not like change. But change is coming. The commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, was on the set with Carl Ravitch, Mark Teixeira, and friend of the program, Tim Kirchin. They were at the Little League World Series. So he's in the booth. What is coming to Major League Baseball? Let's hear the interview with the commish. Given the relationship between Major League Baseball and Little League, the Little League has a lot of these innovations. I mean, there was a report, rumor, they were going to maybe bring one of the automated strike zones to a consolation game. They start a runner at second base in a tie game in the eighth inning. There are a variety of other things that they do that Major League Baseball has at least sort of raised the idea. Is there one idea that Little League does or has talked about that perhaps you can see adopting? Well, look, I think the of the ideas you just mentioned and, and Little League has expressed an interest in it, I, I think the automated strike zone could be really helpful to us. Um, I, I think it would produce a consistency um, around the strike zone. I think our umpires do a great job. Um, but they're human, um, and we do have the technology, and I, I, I think an automated strike zone, which puts you in a position to manage that strike zone, where should it be exactly to produce the amount of offense that you want, I think that could be a very important change. How close are you to being comfortable with the technology? Uh, I'm very comfortable with the technology itself. I think that um, the experiment that we've run in the Atlantic yep. League has been successful. Um, th there's little quirks around the edges that we have to work our way out, but they are not technology quirks. They're about how you take the technology, give it to the human being, and let the human being make a decision. And as an ex-player, Rob, I love that. I would have, I would have really enjoyed an automatic strike zone. Hopefully that happens. There's some players that don't like it. Buster Posey, the Giants. I would venture to say that more pitches would be called balls that are called strikes now. What are we talking about? Well, it's exactly what Ray Fossey used to. Ray Fossey's talked about this with us. Where Ray would set up outside where it wasn't a strike. And Catfish Hunter would hit his glove. And so the umpire would call it a strike because Fossey was fooling the umpire. We see the umpire get fooled all the time. So Buster Posey's worried about the actual pitch that's a ball and called a strike now won't be called a strike. And you know what, Buster? You're correct because it's not a strike. Clayton Kershaw thinks it's crazy. How would there not be more offense if they shrink the box and there's no give at all, it's going to be crazy. There'll be more walks, and then the walks are going to slow down the pace of play, and then the games will be longer, and then the pace of the game is gone. So it's like, what do you want? You want a fast game with more offense, but not too many walks? So, I mean, that's embarrassing, honestly. Dude, you're clueless. Like, as great a pitcher as you are, 
I, I don't see how you don't get this, Clayton Kershaw. You now will have a real strike zone. The hocus pocus is gone. And you know how good this would be for you, Clayton Kershaw? Because now you can pitch up in the zone where it's been called a ball for years is now a strike. The length of the strike zone. Work with me here. The length of the strike zone. Whatever they set it at, bottom of the letters to the knees, you've now gained so much more strike zone. So that big curveball you have and your ability to pitch up and that curveball, oh, my God, what a weapon that would be. That would be an absolute weapon. See, these guys just don't see it. They're dinosaurs. Broadcasters are scared. Everybody's scared of change. All the other sports, they evolve, and they want to use technology, and they want to get better. What's the sport that doesn't want to do it? Unfortunately, it's ours. Well, guys, you know what? Pitcher's clock. Talk to Lou Trevino about that. Lugo's not a big deal. We did it in the minor leagues. All you need to do is implement this in the minor leagues first. Everybody gets used to it. And then when these dinosaurs fall off, all the guys coming in, they now have played with it. So it's not an issue. Yes. And what did Eno Saris didn't like? I was so shocked that Eno from the Athletic didn't like the idea. But he didn't like the idea because if it just if the ball just nicks the strike zone, it's a strike. Yeah. Just like how they in tennis. If the ball hits on the line, it's in. Doesn't matter how much of the ball hits the line. If the ball touches the line in any capacity, if that ball, that fuzzy green ball, hits any part of that line, Hawkeye, the technology, sees it and calls it in. Same thing with baseball. You barely nick it, and it's a strike. By the way, that will speed up the game. I don't know what Kershaw's saying. I'm going to make your strike zone bigger. Just because you now are not getting those just outside what sometimes are called strikes, just because you're not getting that now, thinking that, oh, my God, are you kidding me? It's going to speed up the game because you know what? Now hitters got to swing the bat. I think this speed – I would bet a large sum of money that baseball games would now – that it'd be quicker. I think there's no question the games would be quicker. I mean, these hitters, they go up there – they're not offering too many times at the first pitch. Let me tell you something. You go up there, and now you have this strike zone where I can pitch I can pitch high in the zone. I can pitch high and inside. I can pitch high and outside. I can pitch down. I can pitch up. I can pitch all around that strike zone now. And now I don't have to worry about whether this umpire is a low ball umpire, a high ball. There's a strike zone. I know what the strike zone is. And I can pitch to that strike zone. And hitters, definitely beginning, they'll be like, that's not a strike. Oh, yes, it is. It's just never been called before because of the buffoons behind home plate. They have their own strike zone. No one has their own strike zone anymore. That's gone. Now you have a real strike zone. And you want to sit up there and try and take a lot of pitches? Do I need to go back to my money ball sound? Do I need it? Why, why do we like him? 
Why do you like old man justice? Why? Because he gets on base. Well, guess what? You're not walking anymore. You better go up a hacking because they're going to call the real strike zone. And if you're somebody who can pitch and manipulate the baseball, you'll dominate. You'll absolutely dominate. Because now the high zone, because that, that's what's happened in the Atlantic League, which changed so much, is that the high strike that never gets called. Like, if you ever see a borderline high strike, hitters look back at the umpires and they're like, what are you calling, man? That's not a strike. Well, by the letter of the law, the strike zone is actually a higher strike zone on a player. Can you imagine what Aaron Judge's strike zone will be now? If you actually called from basically his letters to his knees as a guy 6'7", think about that. Aaron Judge is 6'7". Do you know how the length of his strike zone would totally change? I'm now, I'm hammering him with fastballs up all day long. Oh, you want to have that big, long swing? Well, here's going to be fastballs right underneath your letters. Let's see if you got launch angle on that. You want to see home runs come down? You want to see more outs? You want to see more balls put in play? Because right now everybody's playing home run derby. It's going to be tough to get up on that high strike. And all of a sudden you look at that high strike, now look at my slider. Now look at my split. This would be total advantage for the pitcher. So you're not getting that ball in the outside corner that you used to get because it's an actually a ball. But I've given you so many more advantages now as a pitcher. I've given you so many. Can you imagine Nolan Ryan pitching with this kind of strike zone? Throwing the ball 98 miles an hour and then dropping that 12-6 curveball on you? That, yes, it breaks so much, it just has to nick any part of that technology, that box that they have for the strike zone, and it's a strike. You'll be able to get up 0-1-0-2 on a hitter so fast if he's not swinging. It'll, you know what it will really do? It'll bring back guys swinging at the first and second pitches. So guess what? What happens if guys are swinging at the first and second pitch and we're not having 12 at-pitch bats? We're not seeing Mark Canna adjust his gloves and constantly on every pitch stepping out of the box. You're going to have much faster games. I would bet so much money on that. The games would be so much faster. Then another thing was brought up. The guy, Mr. Savage, we're savages in the box. Oh, recently on Twitter they had the entire mic'd up version of it. Aaron Boone's fabulous. Aaron Boone, is he going to join Roxy uh, on uh, Wednesday? Uh, we're efforting that. Roxy is throwing his weight around because he knows everyone, and he's trying to get Well, no, 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 no. Last time, he, he, his weight wasn't that big. I know, true. They told us no on A.J. Hinch. Oh, so, well, I guess his, I guess Roxy's pull isn't as big as we think well, it is. Well, he did get your guy Jim Bowden on. Yeah, but that's that, – that's, that's Roxy's friend, though. But that's a media guy now. Yeah. Can he get a manager? Can well, he get a manager? Can he, be the, can he get the first manager outside of your friend Bob Melvin to come on this show? Can he get that guy? And can he get him to come out to, to our little spot there down the third base line? Is that going to be one of the ones where you say you want to call into? No. Okay. I will be calling in from Winnipeg. This is technically my show. Last time I checked. We're going to, to, into international waters on Wednesday and Thursday. It's called A's Cast Live with Chris Townsend. The name's on the marquee. 
I'm, I'm with you 100%. I mean, unless you're doubting that. I mean, unless you're turning on me. No, not at all. I don't need to get rid of you. But, but remember, you could get Wally Pipp, the guy hosting on Thursday. Who's that? The face. He's coming. Oh, you, you, now I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting kicked to A's all night. That's that, that's what I'm getting kicked to. Alex Jensen's coming. The great the, Alex Jensen, the voice of St. Mary's. You'll be hearing some of Alex Jensen. All right, so we got to get into the A's Hall of Fame. Really cool. The fact that we're doing this. Am I in? Am I getting in this year? Am I am I getting into the A's Hall of Fame? I think you're on the ballot for. Uh, you just missed. You're I like just um, missed? you're like Omar Vizquel. You're you're quietly making your way up. Sad. I'm not going in. We should ask a Hall of Famer Ken Korak sometime if he thinks you're gonna make it in. Oh, Ken would, Ken would lie. Like to my face, Ken would say, "Oh, of course." In the back of his mind, he go, "That hack's never getting in." <laughs> you know how Korak would do me. All right, coming up next, we got to get into what Aaron Boone said. I thought it was great, and then we'll talk about the new Hall of Fame class. All coming up here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Yeah, the Bombers are coming to town, baby. Love it. So we have our second Hall of Fame class going in. The skipper, friend of the program, Tony LaRussa, recently here on A's Cast Live. Vita Blue, who we recently also had on A's Cast Live. I've known Vita for years. Great man. A Cy Young Award winner and MVP. How about six-time All-Star and three-time world champion, Bert Campy Campanaris. And then the Athletics' all-time home run leader, Mark McGuire. And former A's owner, Walter Haas. That's a pretty good class. Tony, Vida, Campy, McGuire, and Walter A. Haas Jr. will be enshrined in the second Hall of Fame class, 2019. That was really, really awesome last year. That was a uh, that was a great event. A lot of fun, and I know it means a lot to Tony. We just talked to him. We're gonna probably talk to Vida either Friday. Can we get Mark McGuire? Mark is really. Mark didn't like to talk. Never was much of a talker. But, you know, he's kind of, for the most part, gone dark in so many ways. Would like to talk to Mark. Because, you know, that's the thing. It's like where we are with these guys, you love them. I mean, we bring on Jose Canseco, everybody, you know, people will be like, he's a pariah, but not to us. He's Jose, he's Jose, he's Jose Canseco. So, you know, Mark, you got friends here. Would love to have him on the program. I hope he shows up. Where is he now? Is he anywhere? He was with the Padres. I thought he was. He was a Padres. He's uh, not with him anymore. Coach last year, but uh, let's see. What is he doing now? I hope he shows up. You know, Mark McGuire was obviously very, very special. Man, 
that run that he had really saved baseball. I get it, the steroids in there. But he 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 and Sammy Sosa, they saved baseball. And, and throwing Cal Ripken Jr. too. Because people were down. They canceled the World Series, and people were down on these guys. They were down on the sport. Well, it was Cal breaking Lou Gehrig's record, and then it was the home run chase that got everybody back in. Something special had to happen. By the way, speaking of home runs, Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich, Mike Trout, and the polar bear, Pete Alonzo, are all on pace to hit 50 home runs this season. So that's four guys. Only twice in the history of baseball have four players in the same season reached 50 home runs or more. 1998, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Ken Griffey Jr., and Greg Vaughn. Big Mac hit 70, Sosa hit 66, Griffey hit 56, and the guy you wouldn't think about, but he's playing for the Padres at the time, Greg Vaughn hit 50, Sacramento's own Greg Vaughn. So it happened in 98, and it happened in 2001. Bond 73, Sosa 64, Luis Gonzalez 57, and A-Rod had 52. These guys are all doing it, by the way, this year. I mean, Bellinger at 42, Yelich at 41, Trout at 41, and Alonzo at 40. So, 98-2001, juiced players. 2019, juice ball. So, to, to have four guys at at least 50, there's got to be some type of juice. Is the juice going in the players or the juice going in the ball? Well, this year, as we know, it's definitely in the ball. And how about what Aaron Boone had to say? Aaron Boone would be cool with a mercy rule. Like back in the day, like in Pony League, we had the 10-run rule. Like if you were up 10 runs on another team after I think it was five innings or four innings, it was ball game over. Do we have Booney? Here's Aaron Boone talking about a mercy rule in Major League Baseball. Aaron, when you bring a position player into pitch like you have had to do a few times and like did mm-hmm. last night, mm-hmm. would you prefer to have some sort of mechanism where you can just say, we're done, we quit? You mean like a, a, a yeah, mercy rule? I mean, it's like a, some yeah, I sort think of there's a lot. Of, I think there would be a lot of benefit to that. Um, you know, I, th- I think you'd you'd probably eliminate a lot of the, you know, unwritten rules of people running or swinging at 3-0 pitches and in, in the quote-unquote wrong scores. It would just be like, hey, if you get to this point after seven innings or whatever, um, there might be something to that, some merit to that and, wor- and worth exploring because um, it's not fun to have to put in, you know, obviously a position player in that kind of situation, even though I think, you know, for Ford and some of the guys, it's fun. It, it, you know, it, guys can have some fun with that. But, you know, sitting in my chair, you worry about hurting someone. You, you hate throwing up the flag like that and sitting there and getting kicked in the mouth is no fun. So, um, you know, I'm sure 
I'm sure there's something to that question. I don't know. There's probably a, a regular season um, component that may, would probably make some sense, especially in nowadays where, you know, pitch pitcher usage is, you know, watched and, and monitored and protected as much as it is. Wow. You think robo-umps crazy. How about a mercy rule in Major League Baseball? How would you go about that? You don't have anything, you, you know, the big four, no one has that. You know, you're up by, you know, you're up in football 45-7. They don't go, hey, let's uh, be done with the fourth quarter and get out of here. Because truly the game's in doubt. You get up by a certain amount of points in football, you're done. Like basketball, there's epic comebacks. Hockey, hockey's definitely is. I mean, the numbers show. See, that's the thing. It's like people always go, well, by, well wait a minute, a team could come back. Well, I have some numbers for you about road teams that I think is going to shock you. Road te- I just want you to think about this. Road teams with the lead heading into the ninth inning. It's going to shock you. Broadcasting from the town, A's Cast Live continues. So what happens on nights where we don't have A's baseball? Well, you have A's Cast Live from 4 to 7. But after this, we're going to be throwing it to a baseball game. It's going to be the Stockton Ports as I'm covering. For, oh, it's Fanny Pack Night at in Stockton. Oh, no, that's August 23rd. My apologies. As I'm trying to stall for the commander. Got it. I got it. All right. So Stockton is playing who and where? Uh, they're playing the Visalia Rawhide tonight, 7 p.m. in Visalia oh. here on AceCast. I, I, I made trips down to Visalia when they were the Oaks back in the day. So did Billy Bean and uh, Moneyball. So Visalia against Stockton. Boy, that's a matchup that. And don't forget, August 23rd, I just given Stockton a little love here because we're on their website. Uh, it's Fanny Pack Night on August 23rd. It's a fanny pack that says Ports. I like it. It's, all, it's no... Uh uh, unicorn fanny pack that we gave away earlier this year, which I still have two of my need to send to Sean Doolittle, but friend of the program. Now, of, he, now. Uh, he's a good friend of the program. Now on the IL. Yeah, I know. I saw it. It's a little disheartening. A little problem. Is it knee soreness is what it is for him? Yeah. The Nats are winning 11 nothing over the um, the pathetic Pittsburgh Pirates. So. Oh, my God. You know what? I apologize, everybody. I want to check the scoreboard. Uh, who's helping? Who's hurting? Oh, look at look at our Seattle Mariners. The Mariners have come to play tonight. They lead Tampa down at the Trop 8 to 1. Thank you very much, Seattle. Don't screw it up and the A's will gain a half game. Uh the Tigers doing what the Tigers do. They're getting beat by the Astros 4 to 1. It was one nothing at one point and they gave one nothing Tigers. Uh let's see. Twins lead the White Sox 2-0, so we're getting no love from the Chai Sox. Is Cleveland off today? Uh, Yeah, they're not playing today. All right, so Cleveland is off today. 
All right, so you should be rooting for the Mariners and be rooting for the Tigers. How about that? The A's take three out of four from the Astros, and then the Astros get to have a nice little four-game set against uh, the Motor City Kitties, who are truly one of the worst teams in the history of baseball. And I'm not – that's not a joke. They are trending. They could break their own mark of 119 losses. They could actually break the all-time mark, which is 120 losses. Who was that? Do we remember who that was? Yeah, that's the all-time all-time leader in the clubhouse. Somebody lost 120 games. That's the na- It's the National League because the Tigers have the American League record with a oh wait a minute scratch that the Cleveland Spiders at 100 but that's we're talking modern day baseball oh I, I it's it's right there it's the 1962 team and uh, we know they're we we love them now but it's the 1962 Mets they lost 120 120 games wow I wonder if they made this song before or after. Did you know the three hottest teams in baseball right now? The Cleveland Indians are 45 and 21 since the start of uh, June 4th. I told you your A's are 35 and 17 since the start of play on June 17th. And our National League team, the Mets, are 24 and 9 since the start of July 19th. So, uh, good times. Good, good times. So, some of you, see, and and I will have to say, and I don't want to totally throw you under the bus, but Commander Cody is like some of you to where he always wants to go to the extreme, right? People like that, you know, they'll use a, there's always an outlier. Like, you can always find, when you play, when you got 30 teams and you play 162 games, there's always going to be an out. You can say, well, this guy did that or this team did that. But the reality is the numbers are what they are. For example, somebody might say, I, I don't like the mercy rule. Look, teams can come back. An example would be this team did that earlier this year. They were down and they had this miraculous comeback. That's why you shouldn't do it. But once again, it's a one-off. How about this? For you people who think, well, anybody can come back at any time. Oh, really? Road teams. Okay, your team on the road. Because one of our guys at MLB Network has, has a theory that if you're leading by five runs or more after eight innings and you're the road team, you should not have the road team bat in the top of the ninth inning to add on and just go straight to the bottom of the ninth. And, and once again... People like Commander is going to go, well, this one time, do you realize in 2019, it's going to blow your mind. Are you ready? If you're driving right now, I know you're in traffic. I want you to be safe. Okay. 2019, the road team, when leading by five runs or more after eight innings, their record is? 571 to 1. Only one road team this season has lost when leading by five or more runs. How about in 2018? What's the record? The record is 657 
to two. <laughs> Is that a small sample size? All right. How about 2017 when the road team leading by five runs or more after eight innings? 2017, the record was 743 to three. 2016, the record is 659 to two. And 2015 is 636 to one. So let me, with my San Jose State math, add that all up for you. So in the last five years, the road team when leading by five runs or more after eight innings, what's their record? 3,266 wins to just nine losses. See what I'm saying? This mercy rule thing might be something to really look at. Because once you're down by X amount of runs and you only have X amount of innings out, you only have X amount of innings left, the odds are greatly you're cooked now there are all there's always a miraculous comeback but in the last five years only nine times has a team come back from that kind of deficit compared to 3266 would you call that a small sample size in five years no you would so i understand what aaron boone's saying Managers don't like using position players. They don't want to use up their bullpen. You're already down. You've quit. What are we talking about? We've even, for the first time, actually seen position players get a win and a save in a season. Crazy, right? You know, because in other sports, you can play keep away. So for, like, football. When you're up, you don't even try. You just, we're going to run the football. We're just going to run the football. The other team's defense is cooked. They're done. I mean, you see at the end of games, I don't care what, I don't care what level, uh, pro or college, when a team is down 30 or something points, they're done. And it's fourth quarter, five minutes left to go, they're done. And you're just running for, for you run out the clock. Basketball. You don't see like when the Warriors are when the Warriors are spanking somebody, and it's in the fourth quarter, they stop bombing. Th- they stop playing hockey. You're just passing it around. You're, you're eating the clock because there's no clock in baseball. You can't do that, and that's why it's really really tough. I would have no problem with the mercy rule. I don't know what we. At least to start, it'd have to be it'd have to be pretty significant. Is it the? What would we make it at? Eight, ten? Five's too harsh. Five, five. You can come back from five, even though the odds show you that you're not coming back. I mean, this is road teams against home teams. What are home teams' records when they're going to the top of the ninth inning? You're the home team, and you've got a five plus. I'd like to see that. I'm not. I'm not going to do the research. Uh. The answer should be 10. When you're up 10, I think the game's over. Okay, so if I'm telling you the road team is up by five after eight and the record is 3,266 to nine, what do you think the home record is when a home team's up by five or more 
heading into the ninth inning. Well, I literally just found one. The Rockies are up 11-5 on June 14, 2019 this year. Uh-huh. See, and here's your, your outlier. And your NL team, the San Diego Padres, came back. The tie in the ninth. No, make the, it, the Mets are my ML. Make it 11-11, and the Padres went on to win 16-12. to I'm still trying to find out who that road team that uh, – the road team leading out there. So the Padres were at home on that day? No, the Padres are on the road. So they're that road team. They're yeah. The, they're the I was, one. Try, I was trying to find the home team. Well, you said the home team leading by five runs after innings. It was, it was the Rockies that were leading that lost, and the I, Padres are the team that came back. <laughs> I bet they would be the only one. It is, it's the only team this year that did it. The, the San Diego Padres. My, my National League team is the Mets. My heart is with – I have a Mr. Met hat right here. Right here. I In my hand, I have a Mr. Met hat. Uh, yeah, that would be pretty fascinating to kind of check that out, to really check that out. And I, I'd be cool after seven innings. You're cooked after seven. You're, done, you're down by ten after seven. Let's go home. I, I, would, I would totally sign – I'd sign up for that. Would anybody sign up for that? 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. Would you be cool with a mercy rule? Don't call. There's no one to call. I want you to text me. 510-897-1322. Would you be cool with any type of mercy rule in Major League Baseball? We'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live. This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Watch the left field deep. Bam going back. Looking up. He will watch it fly. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back. Goal. Cody Bellinger hits one out. He does. He's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, well, well. Mixed reviews on the text line 510-897-1322. Some people totally digging it. Some people not. Now, I want you to know, for the people that are not into the mercy rule, work with me here. It's very, the the evidence basically says that it's one and a large, large number that you make an incredible comeback. It's a large number. I mean, it's not like something that happens on a, I mean, it's really like, like this stat alone. It's crazy. The record for the road team when lead you're on the road and you're leading by five or more after eight. That's three thousand two hundred and sixty-six to just nine in five years. That's a huge number. So I, I assume that the home number is even better. That just goes to show you that five is just five. You really have no shot. The only person who has made me go. Hmm. It's from the 408. Not a fan of the mercy rule. It'll mess with players' stats and streaks. You got a point there, 408. I didn't think about that. I'm just being selfish. I'm just trying to, for me, I'm like, 
listen, this game's over, and what's the point of going for another hour or so? But, I mean, what are you going to do? That is a valid, valid point, and I think you might have just uh, – what if a guy's got, like, a historic hitting streak, and he's going to for sure get another at-bat, and you call the game? Is it just sucks for you? <laughs> Sorry. It's the new rules. But once again, that's something that is so rare, right? What if a guy in a blowout has four home runs and he's going to have a chance to break the all-time record of five home runs in a game? But you cut the game short. 408's bringing it strong. What about a no-hitter in a perfect game? My answer to that 408, if I'm going to be devil's advocate, is going to be this. What's better for the game is better than somebody's personal achievement. If you can make what's better for baseball, then I got to sacrifice a guy's achievement. Once again, sucks for you. Sorry. I know you had a perfect game. But uh, mercy rule, this game's over. See you tomorrow. It's kind of what I like about this commissioner. It's because, remember, they, they have data that we don't have. Like, I was reading this article about how, you know, attendance is going to be down around baseball by, by about 800,000. You know, I look, look look at our beloved A's. Our beloved A's are having a, a great year, and we're still getting just 20 for a firework night or 22 or whatever it was. Not 30, 22. So I think what I like about the commissioner, and they have far more than what we have, their understanding is that they need to spice it up. You need a little more sizzle on the steak. And luckily, you know, he's smarter than that boob that was there before in Bud Selig. And, yes, I do say that about the Hall of Famer. Bud Selig, what's the one thing Bud Selig did? He made the All-Star game count. That, that, that's Bud's great contribution to the game of baseball. He made the All-Star game matter who decides home field advantage. Are you kidding me? Because he didn't create all the other stuff. The other stuff was created by the other leagues. You know, he took from football and hockey and basketball and was the last person to implement all of that other stuff. Oh, the wild card. Oh, let's expand playoffs. Oh, both leagues play each other. How about that? I can't believe there's still people that don't want interleague play. That's, like, insane to me. Can you imagine if Steph Curry and the Warriors never played the Eastern Conference? Like, you would be like, that's like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, Michael Jordan never got to come out and play out West. The only time as a Warrior fan, you would, this is how ridiculous it is. The logic. Michael Jordan would have never played in the Bay Area. The Warriors stunk the whole time Jordan was in the league. Well, you had a little bit of run TMC, but that 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 wasn't making it. 
Michael Jordan, you would have never got a chance to watch Michael Jordan play if you would go by what some of these the older people in our sport believe and hate interleague play. You would have never seen Michael Jordan. You would never. Because we can say that because there's not two NBA teams. When we put it that way, right? Jordan was a career Eastern Conference player. Mike, take anybody in the Eastern Conference. Dr. J never would have saw him play. Larry Bird. You would have never saw Larry Bird in person. He would have never come to the Bay Area. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy, right? Can you imagine Steph? One of the cool things about Steph Curry is when he goes goes home to Charlotte, he'd never go back home and play. Steph Curry would never be able, Clay Thompson, Draymond, they'd never be able to play at Madison Square Garden. The Mecca. If if we live by those archaic rules. Isn't that crazy? So actually, bravo to the commissioner that he's thinking about ways to make the game better. I love the fact that we get to see National League players. I mean, we're lucky because we we got National League and American League here. You know, that's one of the great things. You know, and that's also the great thing that we're, we're losing in the NFL is having the Niners and the Raiders. I mean, essentially, all the great players at some point will come through here. You're going to see Tom Brady or you're going to see Peyton Manning. You know, you'll see Ladanian. You'll see, I mean, all the great players, the Hall of Famers in recent years, all came here and played. That's going to be leaving, unfortunately. I do need to get into Johnny Damon, former athletic World Series champion. Commander, you have just been scouring. You cannot find, what are you looking for? I'm trying to find who this road team was that lost the game. You're trying to find this one road team that was up by five or more runs and lost. Yes. I, I want to say, I kept thinking it was the Mets because of how bad Edwin Diaz was, but I'm still looking to see who it is. Uh, we will have it for the end of the show. You think you will find this? Uh, I don't think you're going to find You've been where I mean, you basically have lost track of the show, and you've been researching this, and you still can't find it. I know. It's it's tough. I've been listening to you, though. Don't worry. I've been li- I'm not tuning you out. What have I been talking about? Uh, you've been talking about how good th- how good you think this commissioner is and how yeah. – I heard Bud Selig boob and then, then uh, wild card and how the All-Star game – because this year it counts. Can we, uh, can we get Rob on the program and tell him uh, we want him to be a friend of the program? I, I could reach out to Major League Baseball. Because commissioners, I actually had Bud Seeley gone years and years and years ago. I can't remember what year. I've had Bud on before. I efforted him when his book came out, and, uh, well, nothing. Oh, I, I, oh I, I, bet, I bet Bud Seeley sees Oakland A's, and Bud, like, yeah, I want no part of that. Yeah. There was that thing that happened in San Jose that uh, people probably are still mad about. Well, but. No, but he denied it. I mean, well, if, yeah. if you're an A's fan, you have to love Bud Seeley. Because if it wasn't for Bud Seelig, I mean, Bud Seelig forced the A's, you're staying here. And Rob Manfred, same thing. So if you're an A's fan, in the end, you should love Bud Seelig. And you should love Rob Manfred. So tell Rob we're all about him. We want to praise the commissioner when most people don't want to praise the commissioner. Okay, I got to get into a uh, a fantastic article. We will do that before going to Johnny Damon. 
Are we doing Damon because he played for the Yankees and the A's? Is is that the uh, Johnny Damon? He was a terrific player. You know, he was a high-priced guy. He was a Boris guy. So, obviously, Johnny wasn't sticking around long-term. But Johnny Damon was a hell of a player. What, what, what did he call them, the idiots? They were the idiots with the Boston Red Sox? Okay, let's see. Johnny Damon's crave is a 56.4 career war. Pretty impressive. By the way, now MLB.com is coming up with what Puck brings to the A's. So now MLB.com is even putting out right now, the app is sending out, he's coming to the A's. And the A's are still saying, what do you mean he's coming to the A's? <laughs> uh, yeah, they're... Um, Here's another good one from the 415. You know, TV commercials. You're going to cut the game short for TV commercials. That's a pretty good point, too. So you guys are making some good points. Johnny Damon in his career ended as a 240, a 284 hitter, 785 OPS. He knocked in 1,133 runs. I would not have thought that. Stolen bases, 408. Yeah, he was a really good, you know, overall was just a really good player. And in his best years, he had over an 800 OPS for not like a, I mean, his best year was with the Yankees power-wise with 24. He had 220, at 35, he had a 24 home run season. But look at these OPS for Johnny. 856, 877, 857. 805, 841, 836, 858. He had some really good years, Johnny Damon. It's going to be fun to catch up with Johnny. One year with the Oakland Athletics, right before Moneyball. He hit 324 for the A's. How about that? 27 bags? No, wait a minute. That was the wrong year. That was in Kansas City. He hit 256. Yeah. Why do I remember better than that? Doesn't matter. We're going to celebrate Johnny Damon coming up. But before we do that, I'm as much as I like to reach out to the new school, us millennials, sometimes I got to throw the olive branch back to the old timers. So I'm actually traditionalist. I'm going to throw out an olive branch for you that I think you're going to like next right here on A's Cast Live. <laughs> Back to A's Cast Live. Whoever you are in the 408, you're on fire. This texter, remember, you can text me at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. You want to deprive us two innings of the great Kara? <laughs> hey, let me speak for my friend. I guarantee if you're telling her she's got three young kids at home, if you're telling her she can get home early, if it's a blowout game, uh, I, I think she'd be down for that and still getting paid the same. So sometimes... You got to go out 
and you got to throw the olive branch. And you got to bring him back in. Old schoolers, I mentioned this yesterday in my hit that I do. I do a hit at the end of the third and at the end of the fifth. And Ken Korak, the great Ken Korak, the Hall of Famer, when I did this, this was my second hit. So right after the end of the fifth thing, I came on to promote today's show. And what I'm about to bring up to you is something that goes against what a lot of the new school people and the new school thinking. So there are numbers that have been shown to us, and the, and they're pretty dramatic. Right, like he, it's like wow. S- simply, you take the average starting pitcher, and you take the average reliever. Work with me here. So a pitcher goes through the lineup one time, then two times. His third time through the lineup, the average pitcher's number is X, versus the average reliever coming in for the first time to face that exact same lineup. By the way, the reliever's numbers are way better than the starting pitcher. So that's why there's been this theory, a la the Rays, more than anybody, who have basically said, we're not going to allow our starters. And they've even done this to Charlie Morton. It ticked him off one game. You know, I don't watch every Rays game, so I don't know how many guys are getting ticked off. A friend of the program, Liam Hendricks, once said, you know, there's certain teams guys just don't want to play for. And that's when we were talking about Ryan Stanek at the time, the the opener, the face of the opener. As Alex Jensen is the face of A's all night, the face of being an opener is Ryan Stanek, now a Marlin. But we were talking because he and Stanek have the same agent, and that's when Liam, Liam was just basically like, hey, listen, uh, there's some places that people just don't want to play. And Tampa's one of them. Because not everybody likes all the funky stuff that they do. So you have this, you have the numbers, the numbers, the data. It says you got a better chance of winning when you bring in the relief guy third time through the order than you do the starting pitcher. So that's how they developed the opener. They said, well, if the opener can go out in the first inning and take care of one, two, three, or one, two, three, four, then have the starter come in. By the time he's going to face that order the third time through, that's when you get to back your bullpen, and away you go. Because you 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 want you want the guy coming in after the opener to go for six innings, right? Ideally. Maybe he goes five. Either way, that gets you to the seventh or eighth inning. And that gets you to the back of your bullpen. In theory. Well, friend of the program, Himbo, Himbakides, Paul Himbakides from ESPN, recently put out, as of yesterday, starters ERAs, Overall total as at 4.52. Relievers ERAs identical at 4.52. 
This could be the first time since they lowered the mound that bullpen ERA overall is over starters' ERAs. How about that? Essentially what's being done is by being terrified of pitchers throwing, starting pitchers throwing innings, everybody is beating the crap out of their bullpen. And it's not working. And we're seeing bullpens. A's is a great example. You had a heavy workload last year on the bullpen. How's it worked for you this year? Your bullpen numbers are not even close to what they were last year. The Rays have really utilized this 10-day IL to be shipping guys back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But overall, in baseball, having more, we're going to set the record again for more bullpen innings than ever before. But now, truly in the numbers, it's starting to hurt bad. For the first time since 1969, relievers the, the total relievers relievers ERA will be higher than starters. I can't wait to get into that with David Forrest on Friday. So basically what they're going to want to do with the next CBA is they're going to want to have more players, which Players Union will be all on board. You know, they, they want to expand. See, there's certain things that you're going to have to do. So, you you know, everything, by the way, is pro player. You expand, that's more jobs. It's more organizations. That's why they want Oakland to work in Oakland, and they want Tampa to work in Tampa, St. Pete, whatever. So they can expand. They don't want to move anybody. They want to expand to 32 teams. Players Union's all about that. That's more jobs. They want to expand the rosters. 26, 27, 28, whatever it is. Players Union's down. That's more jobs. But they want to expand because they want to have more relief pitchers. Or as Scott Emerson, love emo, has talked about last year when he had a great description of what the opener is and why the opener works. But what was what was really good from Emo was the fact that talking about positionless staffs. Like, you don't think of yourself as a starter. You don't think of yourself as a reliever. You don't think of yourself as a closer. You just know this. Certain days you come to the ballpark you just be ready to throw. Whenever we ask you to throw, if we're truly going to get to that and you can get that mindset going, that could be a dangerous staff. You could be real dangerous. When basically it's like, hey, you're taking the ball. You take the ball when we tell you to take the ball and make sure you're just ready to go. But go read the piece that came out yesterday from Buster Olney talking about Here's the title. The rising price teams pay for going to the bullpen early. And the numbers, oh. 
the numbers are just dramatic. Some of these teams' bullpens are are awful. Through Friday, check this out. Through Friday, relievers had already allowed 34 more home runs on pitches thrown 95 or higher this season than they did all of 2018. In 2018, relievers gave up 324 home runs thrown on pitches thrown 95 or more. This year, as of Friday, 358. We still have a month and a half left. 358 to 324, and that was Friday. Somebody is texting me from the 415. Townie, I solved this overworked bullpen issue for MLB a few weeks ago. Check your email. I resent it to you and Cody just now. Did you get something, Commander? I, I have no idea where you're sending this email. You can reach me, C. Townsend at athletics.com. I do not guarantee I, I will see it, but I will effort to look at it. How about that? C. Townsend at athletics.com. Can solve, really going to solve the bullpen issue in Major League Baseball? We'll see, 415, how good it is. Yeah, the A's have put out that uh, Wong has been sent down to AAA, and Dustin Garneau is going to be heading to AAA Las Vegas. Outrighted catcher, Dustin Garneau to AAA Las Vegas. That means there's a roster spot open for a pitcher. I wonder who it's going to be. A.J. Puck's coming to town, and it's going to be phenomenal. Coming up next, Johnny Damon, a two-time World Series champion, right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Johnny Damon made some big loot in his career. Made over $111 million. Unbelievable. A's paid him 7.1 back in 2001. But you start getting up there where, like, he was at the Yankees making 13. He made 13 mil for four years. He had a phenomenal career. You last that long in the big leagues? 18 seasons. That's a long time. And Major League Baseball postseason, very good in the postseason. Hit 326 in the World Series. How good is that? Do we have him? Johnny Damon is with us here. Johnny, welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Towns. It's great to have you on. Hey, guys. It's great to uh, be back with the uh, fans from the Bay Area. It's great. Yeah, you know, I mean, not only did, you know, you think about your time 
uh, with the A's. You played against the A's too, especially in the postseason. What was it? What was it like for you to be here in the East Bay for that one season? Oh man, it was fantastic. I mean, I finally learned how to play winning baseball. I mean, I always um, put the game on my shoulders. So whenever we lost, you know, I would always blame myself. And you know, Jason Giambi taught me how to play winning baseball. It's like um, I always cared about the team, but I always thought I should get a hit and I always should do something that made a difference in the game. But you know what? There's a lot of uh, players that you count on to uh, be um, awesome as well. So uh, I think our team in Oakland was so good. And unfortunately, you know, we just, you know, got cold for those uh, couple games and, uh, and that, you know, possibly cost us a World Series because we played Arizona very well that year. And we know Seattle from our division played uh, very well. I mean, 116 wins. Um, we actually thought we were better. I mean, obviously it's easier to say <laughs> than um, – um, but, you know, they, they were awesome that year. But we just felt like we had their number – and we also felt like we had Arizona's number, and especially with our pitching staff. I mean, wow, winning baseball. And thanks to the A's, I was able to uh, learn a lot about it and uh, was able to uh, take it to uh, the other places that I played. Yeah, that's really cool because, yeah, Kansas City had a bunch of good young players, but, of course, they all got shipped out. And the fact that you get to Oakland, you realize, wow, this is what winning baseball is like. And then, of course, you did carry that on. Talk to that. You carried it on to Boston, and then, of course, you carried it on to New York. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was fun baseball, you know, because when I went to the ballpark in Kansas City, it was always like we have to be at our best for a chance to win. Like, we can't make mistakes or we automatically lose. So it's um, – but, you know – finding a happy medium to be happy going to the ballpark to see these guys um, put up those remote control planes and the, uh, the four wheel drive trucks and hitting golf balls into Mount Davis. I mean, that, <laughs> that was fun. I mean, wow. And I didn't realize baseball could be that fun. I mean, because in Kansas city, if you struggled, I mean, you were um, talked about going back to Omaha right away. And that's, that's never fun when uh, you're trying to be in the big leagues and, you know, they they start mentioning going back to the minor leagues. It's, it's never a good thing, but playing in Oakland, wow. And they didn't care about your batting average. They worried about trying to get the other pitchers pitch count up super early, especially in the first game of a series. So now you start beating up on the bullpen. So, the next couple of games, the starting pitcher has to um, come after you because the bullpen's absolutely shot. So, I mean, I, I was thinking, wow, that's that's a good way to look at playing baseball, and that's exactly what we did. And especially in the second half, we started thumping people. So that was definitely fun. Yeah, you scored 108 runs that year with the Athletics. But I want to get into, you know, Kansas City, the market, Oakland, the market, so it's a complete 180 once you get to Boston and New York. And when I looking at your career, I think it's interesting that 
you get to go to those crazy, insane big markets as you're entering the prime of your career. What was it like going to Boston, and then what was it like playing for the Yankees? Oh, well, both places were incredible. But going into the offseason from Oakland, my biggest thing was trying to get closer to the East Coast because I had two very young kids who didn't travel um, with me that year, and I just really wanted to be as close as possible to them. So I really thought going to New York with Giambi was going to work out, but because of they signed Rondell White very quickly into the uh, offseason that you know it shifted my attention actually to the Rangers to get a little closer to home, and I grew up with John Hart. I went to his camps as a kid, and, you know, it's a lot closer to Florida than uh, Oakland, uh, even though we it was still in the uh, Western Division. So John Hart said he had no money, that he had to shift money, and so they were able to shift Darren Oliver to Boston and take on Carl Everett's contract. And so Boston all of a sudden was the only team, and – you know, I said, wow, let's make the most of it. Let's go in and try to change the culture. And because I played in Oakland, I knew how to have fun playing baseball. So going there, it was um, learning from Oakland and then taking all of that to Boston. We changed the culture. So Oakland should um, take credit for a bunch of what we uh, accomplished Yeah, you're in Boston. You're talking about generations, and I mean generations of Red Sox fans who never saw a World Series championship. The curse of the Bambino, they had not won since 1918. Just, I think about the Dave Roberts steal. I think about you guys being down to the Yankees and you have no chance. And the next thing you know, you come back and beat the Yankees. You sweep the Cardinals and oh, my God, the Red Sox are World Series champions. Take us through what that was like to lift the curse. Well, it was totally amazing. Um, a little bit lucky. Um, I'm not sure how many um, four games in a row the Yankees lost that season, but to do it in the uh, playoffs, um, their bats were on fire to start the series, and I don't know what switched Yes, our pitching got great, but, you know, also Tony Clark hit a ground roll double, which would have, should have been a triple at Fenway, but therefore a run doesn't score. Therefore, we're able to uh, uh, have Millar walk. Dave Roberts still second. Bill Miller get the hit. So if we were down another run, I mean, just think about it. There's no way in heck we're going to get two off of Mariano. He's just that good. Get to get one, you have to be uh, a little lucky as well. So uh, everything worked out. Um, John Olerud went down. He always hit the ball solid. And Tony Clark filled in for him. And Tony Clark is a little scarier threat with power. But like I said, Tony Clark hit that ball that um, if it rattled around, um, we were in trouble. But it bounced over, and we got lucky. What is that bond like for that team? The Red Sox have gone on to win more World Series, but the bond with that team and the city, what is it like? Oh, well, it's absolutely incredible. And, you know, it was definitely fun when it lasted. Um, 
as soon as we won, you know, Derek Lowe was gone, Pedro was gone. And, you know, by the time that I left in 2006, there were only six guys left from that 2004 team. So, um, you know, I, I took a lot of heat for leaving, but it's like, okay, uh, Millar's gone, Mikhevich is gone, um, D'Lo. Um, well, let me just say the guys who, who are still there. Um, Kevin Euclid played a little bit in 2004. Um, Manny, Big Poppy, Veritek, Schilling. Um, I think that's about it. Um, there's probably one more guy that, um, that's not ringing the bell right now, but yeah, they, unfortunately when the team, uh, won and that bond that we created over a couple of seasons together, all of a sudden we're all, um, exchanging our loyalties elsewhere. Like Malar's in Baltimore, D'Lo was in LA, Pedro's with the Mets. And I mean, yeah, I didn't think I was going to go go to New York, not at all. But, you know, they were the team that wanted to make a splash and they wanted a leadoff hitter and a center fielder. So they they got um, one player, covered both areas for them. And, you know, I'm so happy with that move as well. It worked out for both teams. You oh. know, they knew Jacoby Ellsbury was coming and, you know, so signing me wasn't a top priority. Let's just say center fielders always get younger. Just look at the uh, Oakland A's. They're they're very good at Moneyball and talking <laughs> about it. <laughs> well, that's the thing, man. You're in Boston. You've got that great flow. You've got the beard. You got the whole thing going. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at a picture of you in New York, clean shaven and a tight haircut, Johnny Damon. Boy, that was a big change. Uh, you know it was, and but when I signed with Boston, I did have short hair for my first two seasons, and then that third year going in, um, I had that concussion over at at the Coliseum, and that off season I was very tired, uh, weak, barely got out of bed. So the hair was growing, the beard was growing. Um, the beard always grew because I skied during the off season, but um, I just didn't feel like moving much. I didn't move much until about a week before spring training. And that's when I started racing cars down the road because the speed limit's like 25 miles per hour. And I was like, I got to get myself ready to roll. So the long hair was there, the beard was there and I showed up and uh, whenever you do something different in Boston, you know, people love it and you know, it's stuck. So uh, by the time I had to cut my hair and shave in New York, um, yeah, I, I understand there were a lot of disappointed people, and I was shocked that I, I wasn't going back as well. But uh, I just wish I got a better haircut. You know, at the time, <laughs> we were like, okay, let's not take too much off, but let's try to be professional. I should have just went straight mohawk or – like tried to push the rules a little bit and keep it long enough. Um, but, um, but what they agree with. So I kind of didn't like that, um, haircut, but I definitely, uh, had some cool ones afterwards. <laughs> well, you, you won a world series as you guys beat the Phillies in 2009, but talk to us out of all the places that you played, just talk about how different it is to play for the New York Yankees and to play in that environment. Oh man, the 
um, New York Yankees. It's like the Rolling Stones. It's um, or the Beatles. I mean, it's every time you travel, um, you have extra security. You um, stay at the finest hotels. You, uh, I mean, you're the New York Yankees. I mean, people travel from everywhere, and and they do uh, with the Red Sox as well. Um, I think the percentage of fans in the Boston area um, or New England is greater than New York by a lot, but just the number of people um, rooting for the Yankees is just astronomical. And yeah, we were the um, traveling Beatles, um, big circus at times. And I mean, just superstars everywhere, you know, from Godzilla to Jeter, to Mariano, to uh, the Gambino. So pretty good, pretty good stuff. No doubt. But unfortunately, Jason wasn't with us in uh, um, 2009, but, you know, seeing him in New York was awesome. Like uh, rejoining him again, and he was still that great teammate. And, you know, that's something that, kind of wish he could have been in Oakland his entire career, even though he left a mark in uh, New York. I mean, Jason's a man, like best teammate ever. So you have your foundation now. Tell us how Ace fans can help with your foundation. Well, um, it's the Johnny Damon Foundation, uh, johnnydamonfoundation.com. You know, we've just done great things over the years, and uh, whatever money comes in, we take care of who needs help. You know, the first couple of years, we uh, put a few Wounded Warriors into uh, homes that Habitat for Humanity helped us build. Right now, we're trying to build a Boys and Girls Club here in uh, just outside of Orlando, Florida. And, you know, we're continuing to um, fight for people, uh, whether it's backpacks, whether it's food, um, to feed the hungry, uh, which is continually moving forward and making sure people are taken care of and doing what we can um we can always do more and uh we're we're working on doing that yeah you go to johnnydamon.com i'm looking at it right now the johnny damon foundation you did a lot of great things on the field obviously but is this the greatest thing you've ever done helping people the way you're helping well absolutely i mean i didn't come from much and i got to see um how important um, it was for, you know, not only me to be uh, taken care of and um, as a kid, and I always wanted to give back. Um, My parents couldn't afford for me to play baseball, but we had people who wanted to make sure that happened. And, and we were very grateful to this day. And I, I've done what I could through the years to help some kids go up and, play in the Cape Cod league or go play, um, you know, up in Jacksonville and try to help them out as much as I can, whether or not I can give them equipment or donate to the college or donate for, for the books. I mean, whatever it took. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's been some great things. And, uh, like I said, we can always do more and, you know, I'm trying to ease my, kids into it because there's a slew of them and they always wonder why daddy takes off sometimes and it's you know to go go help out joe namath and his cause and um go help out um you know 
St. Jude, go help out a lot of charities. And that's, and those are the fun ones where you get to actually go and play golf and stuff. But the um, stuff here in Orlando, when you go and see the impact that you leave on um, kids and families, uh, that's the most important thing. Johnny, you're always a class act. Thank you so much for stopping by. We truly appreciate it. We got to have you on again. And if there's ever anything you, you, you need to promote, you let us know. We'll make sure we get it out throughout the fan base. All right. Yeah, this is a uh, important time of the year. You know, playoff baseball is around the corner and the A's keep pushing um, every year. And, uh, you know, it's great to see. And hopefully one of these years they can uh, um, win another championship for the great fans out there. Yeah, that would be phenomenal. Take care, Johnny. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Johnny Damon. Yeah, check out his foundation. They do a lot of stuff. It's uh, very, very impressive. Uh, you hear about the Winnie Palmer Children's Hospital. That is the hospital in Orlando where, like, Tiger Woods kids were born. And they do so. This children's hospital, uh, Jack Nicholas is involved in it. Uh, of course, Arnold Palmer's wife, Winnie. Uh, the Edgewood Boys Ranch. The Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. I mean, his foundation has a lot of relationships. And uh, obviously what he's doing for the Wounded Warrior Project, and what he does for kids. So Johnny Damon giving back and you love to see that have we missed anything commander besides chris uh besides carlos correa going out of the game with oh. back discomfort and the orioles have allowed two more home runs that's 257 on the air there one away we will break in tomorrow if the record falls dun, 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 dun. yeah the orioles are about to give up the most home runs in the history of baseball in a single season it's august 19th and it's august 19th <laughs> um also i don't think we really missed anything oh yeah how about that you know we talked with susan slusser about it you know you just can't give the division to the to the astros yet and remember, Carlos Correa had back problems last year. He left the game with back problems again tonight. I don't root for injuries, but that's not good. Now, they have the depth that they just moved Bregman over, and this might be one of the reasons why Correa will be the odd man out. Young guy, super talented, mini A-Rod, but already with the back problems, he might be the guy that they let go, and he's have Bregman play short. All righty, it's time for a little, how do we end the show? It's buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. The 408 wants to know. That's right, I read your text. Text me at 510-897-1322. Did the commander ever find out who was the road team who gave up that ninth inning lead of five or more runs? So I got frustrated, and I reached out to an expert who does research for a living. I texted good friend Sarah Langs, and she said that that stat isn't right. She thinks it's a typo. What? She said that she believes it should be road teams, should be home teams, and it would be the Colorado Rockies, the team that I said so earlier. So you're trying to tell me out of my my super baseball notes that this is a typo? That's what that's what Sarah Langs said. She no, 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 because this goes on about an appearance on MLB Network, and this is a philosophy. I know Sarah was confused by it like I am. I, I, I skirt, searched and scoured the dark web for it. I my, my, my numbers are so good, I even stumped Sarah Langs. We'll have to tell her that. We'll have to save that. No, stat do not tell bring, her that. Uh, we'll, we'll have to save it and bring it up for her next time. All right, what do you got? So Chris Sale left, 
little inflammation in his elbow. And I found out we found out he's going to be out for six plus weeks, which means he's going to be out for the rest of the season. I was make the make the simple for you. I had a whole bunch of running on, but I found out after that he's going to be out for six weeks. Buying or selling Chris Sale's elbow will officially end the Boston Red Sox 2019 season. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I think it's already done anyway. So, but yes, Chris Sale going down, and I love how they say six weeks, and you go, um, "Did you check the calendar? We don't." Yeah, there's about six weeks left in the season. <laughs> He's so, done. Stick a fork in the Boston Red Sox. So there was an article on MLB.com earlier. I think our friend Will Will Leach, uh, Will Leach wrote. Friend of the program. Saying that every guy, every player that could have been a Hall of Famer that was derailed by injuries. And it made me think of this guy. Don Mattingly was an institution at first base for the Yankees. A six-time All-Star, nine-time Gold Glover, and 1985 AL MVP batted 323. And had 144 OPS plus from 1982 to 1899, topping a 300 batting average in each of his first six full seasons. But chronic back injuries plagued Mattingly for the rest of his career, which ended prematurely at age 34. Buying or selling Donnie Baseball would have been a Hall of Famer. Oh, there's no question I'm buying that. Don Mattingly was amazing, and he's truly one of the best defensive first basemen that we've ever seen. You realize that Don Mattingly, and that's the thing, like, like trying to tell you. So, a lot of you now have grown up with the Yankees and their dominance, even though they've spent billions of dollars and have won one title since uh, 2000. But Don Mattingly had a 14-year career. He only played in the playoffs once, and that was against the Mariners in his final year. Think about that. You guys, the Yankees in the 80s, they didn't play in the playoffs. That was a miracle Mariners team that year, too. That's the that's the Griffey coming around to score on Edgar Martinez double. That was a great MLB Network show they did on them. 14 years, Don Manley only played in the playoffs once. A lot of people, yes, I, I think there's, there's, I mean, still, like, you could make a case now. He had over 1,000 RBIs. He had an 830 OPS I mean, you could make a case that Don Mattingly, because in his time, he led all kinds of categories. He led in RBIs. He led in doubles. He led in slugging. He led in OPS. I mean, there were years, like, look at these OPSs. 918, 939, 967, 937. I think you could make a, almost make a case that Don Mattingly should. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine gold gloves. I think you can kind of make a case he should be in the Hall of Fame. And quietly, and this is probably an unpopular opinion for people who don't follow the Marlins, he really isn't that bad of a manager. He just has a really bad team in Miami because Jeter and his guys don't know what they're doing. All right. Well, I, I've been waiting to get this one in since last week. So Mike Trotta is 40th home run last week, and Cody Bellinger also did the same. But Mike Trotta's only now seven home runs away from tying Troy Glass's record for most home runs by an Angels player. Is he the greatest angel? No, no, hold on. <laughs> it, better. So we know in L.A., you got Bellinger and you got Trout for baseball. Yeah. Basketball, you got LeBron James and uh, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. Well, tough break for Boogie Cousins. Boogie's no longer. Uh, the Clippers have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George now. Uh, the Kings and Ducks aren't very good, so they don't really have any good players. Uh, shout out Corey Perry, who I don't know if he's sleeping on the Ducks anymore. And the Rams have Aaron Donald, and the Chargers have Melvin Gordon, who's holding out. Buying or selling, Mike Trout is the best professional athlete in Los Angeles. 
Wow. I can't take him over LeBron. LeBron is – I mean, I got to wait till Trout finishes. LeBron's had an unbelievable career. You mentioned Donnie Baseball going to playoffs once. Can Mike Trout beat Donnie Baseball going to playoffs one time and getting swept? People got on Bryce Harper from ma- making the playoffs and never winning. You, you know what that would be more? That would be Ted Williams. Also true. Now you got to remember, Ted lost – go look at Ted Williams' number – his numbers and realize he lost four years of his prime fighting in wars. Four years. Can you imagine what his numbers would have been? Uh, they were already pretty good. He so. already he would have been by far the best offensive player. Ever. All right, last one quickly because this involves one of your favorite players of all time. So no, Nolan Arenado made history yet again uh, yesterday. He joined Eddie Matthews as the only third baseman with five plus seasons of thirty plus homers in their first seven seasons. Arenado's won six Gold Gloves. Two platinum gold, two platinum gloves as a five-time All-Star and as a career 292 hitter with 216 career home runs. He's 28 years old. His WAR is 36.4. Now your favorite player, Michael Jack Schmidt, had a career WAR of 106.8. Whoa, whoa, whoa! My favorite player was George Brett. Don't you like Schmidt? Oh, I love Michael Jack. Well, George Brett was a good player too. Buying or selling Nolan Arenado will be the greatest third baseman of all time. Selling. Selling, selling, selling. Selling, selling, selling. No way. And you know, hey, and even if he is, he'll never be allowed to be because of Coors Field. It'll always be the Coors Field effect. There was a great article written the other day about Charlie Blackman, his historic season he's having, and how no one's going to give him the credit because he's playing a Coors Field. I think that's. Oh, oh my little, God. Have you seen his splits? His splits oh, it's are awful. terrible. Yeah, but he's, he's like 420 at home, and you get him off. As I always like to say, get him off the mountain. Carlos Gonzalez. Remember, the A's got rid of him, and everybody's like, oh, my God. Matt Holiday Looked at the splits. The only guy that was a solid player for them that was a great – Todd Helton was a really good hitter. Bro, yes. Hope, Hope man. Well, Ellis Burks was a good player. Larry Walker's pretty good. Larry Walker was a phenomenal player. Canadian. How about Dante's Inferno? Oh, yeah. Dante he, Bichette. What about Andres Galarraga? Galarraga had a very good career. I mean, but obviously those numbers were all, the Blake Street Bombers were all inflated. Remember that one year Abado Jimenez had a good ERA and he got traded and the Indians gave up the farm for him and that, well, that didn't really work out. That for didn't really work out. We didn't get to the Okuna Jr. one? Uh, we'll save that for tomorrow. We could talk about that. Maybe that's a good question for Bob. Would he ever consider? No, let's just save that for tomorrow as a tease. Oh, tomorrow. We may have a disagreement on how to handle a young star player. How about that for a tease? Yes, tomorrow we will be back live from the dugout as we do A's cast live right outside the A's dugout. It's going to be the Yankees. Get your butts to the stadium and let's support this team. How good is this A's team? I'll tell you how good they are. Since May 16th, they're 52 and 28. Since June 17th, they're 35 and 17. And since the All-Star break of last year, so we're just counting the after the All-Star break last year and this year, the A's are 63 and 35. Get out and support these guys. We'll have Bob Melvin, the Bob Melvin Show. Probably Fran Reardon, the manager of the greatest offensive oh team in the history God. of We're baseball. We're going to have managers on, all kinds of managers. Who else? Uh, I'm efforting CeCe Sabathia, so we'll see how that works. And hopefully Matt Chapman. Ah, is that any good of a lineup for you? Uh, come up next, the Stockton Ports and the Visalia Rawhide on AceCast. Stockton, Visalia, these two teams don't like each other. We'll see you all tomorrow from 4 to 7 right here on A's Cast Live. Enjoy a little Stockton Ports baseball here on A's Cast. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.